This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, hello. Uh, I don't know, hang on. We got to do an intro as well or not? I can't remember. <laughs> 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 You're definitely this, you, Cut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Mikey's blatantly going to use this. So thank you very much for downloading this week's whole radio podcast. A very exciting show coming up for you is a full review of the two-two draw against West Ham. Some very interesting opinions from both presenters and listeners. And coming up um, after that is a, a debate over whether or not Julian Speroni or John Burridge will be in the ultimate 25-man squad. Now, I don't really think I've got too much else to add. Um, after the show, of course, there'll be some additional content. Um, where I'll be talking about Millwall fans, potatoes, and um, I think the uh, John Cross story in the mirror about there being a rift in the Palace squad over the amount of money being paid to some of the players. It should be very exciting, won't it, everyone? Yeah. Yes. Lovely. Oh, also, there's some, some very heavy rain um, in the in the podcast, in, see if you can catch it. We might mention it. Um, Need a big bucket. Hey, but it was exciting though as well. Weather affected the, the show for the first time ever. I think very dramatic. It was incredibly dramatic. It was really loud. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That'll do, wouldn't it? No, no, none of that tipping it, grain into a bucket like they do on the arches. You know, yeah, to get that sound effect. It's the, they're called fo- foley artists. Isn't foley it? artists, yeah. yeah. You had much, uh, much sort of interaction with those kind of things on your movie career. No, I'm, I'm very much pre, pre-production and production. They're very much post-production, so um, they're probably very dull, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. snob. Um, yeah, it's a bit, of, a bit of movie snobbery going on there, definitely. <laughs> Plenty more where that came from. Yeah. But the thing is, like, did you ever realise that it was a Foley artist? Like when you when you're watching it, certainly when you're younger, and you're thinking, you like when on a nature program, there's like a like a rose grows in high speed, and you hear it creaking and all that kind of stuff. It's only, the sudden realisation that roses don't creak when viewed at high speed was a was a traumatic one for me. I have to say, fucking Foley artist, mate, you've got a lot to answer for. They have, yeah. Yeah. And they probably wanna, have some witty answer that was like some other sound effects. I want to meet the bloke that was in charge of can laughter. <laughs> Do you think there was one guy in charge of that? I reckon so. Yeah. Was it? Was it actually in a can? Like they open the can and the people laugh and they close it. I guess that's why it's called that, wasn't it? 
Oh, of speaking of uh, speaking of canned laughter, I want to send a little uh, rest in peace to Ronnie Corbett, the Pally supporter. Yeah, I love his show. Two Ronnie's was a brilliant show. Really was brilliant comedy. Yeah, that, it's been a that three candle sketch. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh hey, hey, hey. Big. terribly <laughs> funny. Um, <laughs> nah, it's it's. Um, Did you read my Facebook post? Did oh, no. anyone read that? No. What oh. about golf? Yeah. Of course I did. You know, I read that one. I, was no, I know. It was yeah. so tell, the, tell the story. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just, it, it was, I, I just shared some memories. I, I went up from the age of eight to 15. I, I used to caddy at the Addington and the Addington was on Shirley Church Road. And at the top of Shirley Church Road meets Spout Hill. And at the top of Spout Hill, Ronnie Corbett's house, it, it still is their family house. And he was a member of the Addington and it used to be owned by a, a, a really very posh, abrupt old lady called Mrs. Fabes. And she used to sneak up behind you. And if she had done that, you were already going to get a slap round the face because whenever you saw her, you had to address her before she addressed you by a, either good morning, Mrs. Fabes, or good evening, while standing to attention. And as an eight-year-old, that never really worked for me. I come eight-year-old out of a council house. was never going to really work. So I got loads of slaps. But I remember one day, the first time I saw Corbett, turn up in his Rolls Royce and he jumps down off the cushion out, got his got his golf clubs out of the boot, and as he turned round, she was standing there, and he didn't say anything. And it, but it, just before he said that, he turned around, turned around, and he and he waved at Arthur, the caddy master, and he just he just shouted out, "Morning," or "Hello," something like that. And she t- he turned around straight into her. She slapped him, and and literally in the same movement, he he spun round three sixty, waved at us again, and went. Goodbye. Threw his clubs, <laughs> threw his clubs back in the car, and, but she just slapped him and went, "Go home, Mister Corbett." Oh my and, god! I know, and and he went, and he literally went. It was just <laughs> hilarious. And then the second time, and again, it was one of the ones where you had to be there. I was on a, a, a it was a time when um, Kenny Lynch and 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 a few of the old um, variety club people used to go up there with with um, oh, Bruce and, and 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 all that lot. Anyway. I'm not name dropping. They used to all go up there. It was a very famous place back in the 70s and 80s to go and play golf. And um, I remember standing there. I was caddying as part of a group. And he'd gone into a bunker. And he was literally, when I say he was tiny, he was incredibly tiny. He was four foot something, I'm sure. And all I could see was the top of a sand iron. And then a load of sand come out. The sand iron would disappear. And one of the players says to me, go over and see what he's doing. And I've gone over there and he is literally laying on his side in the bunker and he's he's moved his golf club up in the air, pulled it back down and then quickly grabbed a handful of sand and just launched it out onto the green. Because <laughs> <laughs> but he did it like 20 times. And, but, it, and, but the thing is, it was one of the ones he had to And I just went over there and I just said, he's, he's laying in the sand and he's, and he's throwing sand out and... So they all, literally, there was like 16 of us all walked over and, and looked at him and they all just started laughing. But he was, he was, he really was. It was, I say, it was one of the ones you had to be there, but he just was, he just loved making people laugh. And then, of course, the very last time I saw him was, I dodged a, a bullet, as you, you guys know, I dodged a cancer bullet nearly a couple of years ago. And I, I, when I was having the test for it, he was sitting opposite me, um, just him and his wife. And I really, really wanted a 
tell him about that story and see if he remembered it from all those years ago. And I did, and I just thought, you know what, it, you know, we're only here for one reason. It's quite obviously a, a serious thing he's here for. And I did, I just respected his privacy and didn't say anything. Right. Um, but it's just, you know, it's it's bizarre. I, I would hate to think that he, what he had was the start of it because, you know, I managed to get over mine and and he obviously didn't get over his. But yeah, very, very uh, played a huge part of my life for for more than forty years, but sporadically. And it was a, a real pleasure to see him. You know, to meet him in real life, and he really was a nice guy. Um, Thanks for that, Joe. No, I appreciate you sharing, mate. And um, yeah, obviously, R.I.P. Ronnie. And um, yeah, we'll be back uh, after after the show for more. Homesdale Radio Football Blogging Award Finalist 2015. www. Oh, that's probably us on, isn't it? There you go chatting about Nesquik. Um, <laughs> good evening and welcome to Homestay Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and I haven't written an introduction because I've been watching cricket and stuff. Um, but we are here to talk about the uh, 2-2 draw with West Ham. We're also going to have a look uh, in the ultimate 25-man squad as the places start to run out. We'll be looking at two different goalkeepers today and picking one of them. Julian Speroni and John Burridge are up for debate. Uh, with me today to help me do that, we have Jell Holyoke. Evening. Good evening. We have Albert Curley. More of a Yazoo man myself. Yeah, that's, mm, I don't know. There's a lot, a lot of sugar in those things. Uh, and Patrick O'Connor. Good afternoon. Uh, stop it with your time difference behaviour. Sorry, sorry. And, You're in uh, America. Yeah. We get it. Yeah, yeah, we, we know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll be hearing plenty from those gentlemen today. Uh, if you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at HOL Radio. Um, I don't know, one of them will probably be in the chat room as well, hlradio.net forward slash chat. Um, you can also go to hlradio.net forward slash contact and uh, um, email us and stuff and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, first, let's have a little bit of a jingle and then we'll get into the discussion. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio. What a wonderful jingle that was. One of my favourites. Um, Very jingly. Yes, yeah, it's, it's up there with... Uh, Almost too jingly. Well, yeah, it's a fine line. You don't want to go too jingly, do you? Uh, God forbid. Yeah. Maybe it was just a jing. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, that opens up a huge can of worms. We'll get back into this later on. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, thanks, obviously, for listening. And um, if you're listening on the podcast, don't forget, if you do listen live, you can get involved in the live chat. But also, if you are listening live, do download the podcast as well, because there's extra content. And uh, and sort of last of all on that, just just tell your friends about us. You know, let's just get more people uh, listening. We've got plenty of listeners. Love how many we've got, but um, can always have more, can't we? I tend to tell people that I don't like. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel my friends deserve it. <laughs> that's, that's a good point, actually. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's something to think about, isn't it? So. Um, it, it, we've got a point. We've got a point out of the game. Two-two. Um, at half time, it did look a bit bit bad for us and um some interesting game changing events that we'll get to um sort of handed the impetus to palace and in the end perhaps a bit unlucky not to not to come away with all three points but certainly most people seem to have taken it as a as a very positive result and, a, and a, in the end a, a reasonably good performance although certainly just struggle for the, for the moment but um obviously the, the the key thing to talk about at the beginning is yeah again we've we've had injuries you know in, in the international break, he kind of thought we'd get a few players back, and you know we did have, we did have punch back in the side, and you know, and 
but, but we've had Adebayor who, who changed his mind against uh, an international call up he got himself injured and obviously Johan Kabay also got a knock and, um, and that gave the opportunities for Punchin to come back in and uh, also to Sacco to play from the start but I think that's where, where I'll start because when you look at that lineup, we've got Punch and Zaha, Balassi and Sacco all starting. Um, that's, I mean, that's four wingers, really, isn't it? I mean, you can, you can say Balassi's playing up front, but essentially we are starting with four wingers. What do you think about that, Patrick? I've never really liked it. We've done it before. Um, I can't really think of a time when it was overly successful from the start. Um, we, need a, we need a target, man. I, I mean, I understand the reasoning... Um, because again, you put Gale, if you start Gale and you lump balls up to him, he gets battered and he gets demoralized. You can't start Campbell for obvious reasons. So I understand the kind of the logic of putting Balastic there could be speed. And, but it just it doesn't ever seem to work. And even when he changes and puts Sacco up there, it doesn't seem to work. So I, um, I'm getting frustrated at the uh, you know tactics from, from Pardue. But I do understand it yesterday, again, based on just who, who we had available. Well, yeah, I mean, that, it's interesting. Again, uh, Adam Robertson's tweeted, say, wish we had the same doctor as Leicester. And um, <laughs> I was having that discussion, um, did a um, little bit on, on Absolute Radio yesterday with uh, Clark Carlisle and Ian Stone. And th- they sort of mentioned what you do in playing with no striker. And I said, well, it's interesting, isn't it, when you compare someone, a team like Leicester who've had no injuries to, to major players and you look at us, we've, our season has been derailed by it. You can't, you can't really argue that. Um, but obviously people will point to the fact that, that Dwight Gale has come off the bench and, and had an impact. Uh, Joe, do you think it would be any different if we'd started that game with Gale up front? Um, yeah, but it, ifs and buts. You know, it's, um, we certainly didn't create loads in the first half. But, but the thing is, the way we're staying, you know, the way that, they, that they've been playing at home, you know, they, they, they've... Um, it was always going to be tough. It was always going to be tough. And the thing is, the way that we've set our stall out, particularly this, this, this entire season, is, is to hit people on the break. So, you know, we were always going to just let them come at us and, and, then, and then just literally see what happens. But I, the, 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 the bit about not starting with a legitimate striker on the bench is just, is, it, for me, it's getting a little bit, I'm not going to say getting boring, but it's getting a little bit, um, a little bit troublesome. Um, um, yeah, it's interesting you, you mentioned that. Uh, I'll ask you on this one, Albert. With, I thought the tactics were a bit more like what I would call old Palace, a bit more pudis like in, in what Gels just described as sitting back and hoping to, to catch them on the counter. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I thought the. I, I didn't realise we were. We, I sort of tuned in a bit late to the game. I, didn't, I didn't, hadn't seen any team news, didn't know Kabai was out. Um, so to see. Um, Ledley and, and uh, Yedinak in the middle, sort of, and given the opposition that we were playing, you know they hadn't they hadn't conceded a goal in a league game at home since January or something. So mm. I certainly wasn't surprised to see us digging in and and yeah, trying to hit them on the counter. Yeah, um, and I suppose in that sense, I can almost kind of understand why why Padre's gone for having Balassi up top, but there's this is. I wouldn't say he's never played well up there. I mean, everyone can always remembers the Sunderland game where he scored a hat-trick, and he's, I think he played pretty well um, against Liverpool in, in uh, one of our wins against them. And, you know, he, he can cause problems up there, but it was noticeable um, that in the second half when he went out to the wing that he just made so much more of an impact. And I think Pardew, in my view, has got caught trying to play, you know, too, too many similar players in that lineup, trying to fit people in. 
Uh, and that's something he's been criticised for a, a lot in this bad run, I think. Um, but certainly having uh, Jednak and Ledley sitting there the way they did, I thought that actually freed up Jason Punchin to play the game that, that he had been playing in, in his best form for Palace, you know, sitting in behind uh, the striker. But but more perhaps more than ever, he was he was going box to box as well. And we'll certainly talk about uh, Punchin's performance in that game as um, as we progress through the show. But uh, it'd be interesting to know what you uh, you think at home um, about the lineup and whether or not you'd uh, like to have seen anything different. So do let us know at HOL Radio or uh, hlradio.net forward slash contact for all the ways to get in touch and we'll, uh, we'll air your views as well. Um, I, I, I wrote down in my notes that when I saw that lineup, I was really expecting those front four players to rotate position. Sometimes you'd see Sacco up top and Blassie would drift wide. You know, the same with Zaha coming in and out of the game. And I, I want to start. Although I want, to, I want to talk about some of the key instances in that first half, I want to, I want to talk now about Wilfred Zaha because obviously replaced um, at half time, and and in the end it turned out to be a very good substitution. But it was it was a, a bad performance from Wilf. But I, I've got my views on why that was. What do you think, Patrick? I'm not really sure. Um, he's had a lot of pressure on him. I think you know when Balassi was out and being like the the focal point. And um, yesterday he really didn't do well. I know earlier in the season that Pardew had kind of like yanked him out of a couple of matches and he came back stronger later. So I'm hoping that that's kind of what Pardew's thinking. Pardew plays a lot of mind game to players, especially the younger players. And I think it helped Wolf a lot earlier in the season. He's been had a fantastic season for the most part. So um, I'm not really sure of the logic. Again, it worked out. Had it not, we would have, you know, the, um, we would have had a meltdown all what? over. But um I think that um, him coming out was a, was a good thing, and I think hopefully we'll have him up for the next. You know, I think Norwich is the key match. I mean, he got he got a stop against Norwich and their fullback. So, well, the thing is, I, I, I got annoyed with it, and, and and I still I still have a bit of an irritation about it because I think Wilf's kind of been let down in my view by the way the way we're playing. Hmm, okay. In in the he, he he needs to be given the ball. We know, we all know what his strength is, and it's. It's running at players, and I, I know that teams have been marking him out of games to a certain point. But you know he's on he's on Payet's side to, for a start, uh, which is which is a big ask. Which means most of his game is going to be trying to track back and provide support to Ward. And you know Cresswell overlaps as, as does Antonio on the other wing. So both wide players had an awful lot to do defensively. And you've got to ask the question, in my view, is is that is it the right selection to actually pick Wilf if you're going to play the way we played? You know you. You kind of almost, in my view, is on a hide into nothing because the ball out to him, and we did, we do look for him on the ball out. And as you do, you try and get your best, most dangerous players on the ball, but you don't smack it long and hope for the best for Wilf because it's not how he plays. You know, he receives the ball kind of roughly around the halfway line and just runs, runs with it, you know, into space. And I could probably say maybe once or twice in the entire first half did he get the ball in a position. Where he could properly run at players, and um, you know, he got fouled running into the centre, and that's probably his only major contribution in the match. I found it very weird and frustrating to watch him. Not Patrick. Yeah, another thing is another great point, Chris, is that um, if he got no one to put a ball in the box, so he's also he also suffers. So not having that striker there, that focal point. I'm sure he gets confused looking up and he's does maybe he's blasting a box or Sacco's, you know, looking for Adebayo or Wickham or Campbell or Gale is a lot different. So you're right about being let down. I mean, putting him in that position yesterday where he's going to be hopefully getting the ball and then crossing it and then there's no one in there is got to be frustrating for him. Yeah. Nick Philpott's got in touch and said, well, we've had worse games this year. And I suppose that's probably true uh, to some degree. But like I say, I, I think he's a key player for us. And I know, Joe, you've, you've had a bit of a, you know, 
the occasional criticism aimed aimed at Wilf. Um, is it? Would you, do you agree with me? Is it a bit about the tactics, or is it more to do with his sort of application and form? No, I completely agree with you. Um, and 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 the thing is, the only the only criticism I've ever had about Wilf is has been his um, has been his attitude when things are not going very well. You know, when he throws his arm up in the air and he starts to. Well, the, the, the classic thing was when he had a, a you know a full scale argument across the pitch with Pardew, and Pardew yeah. just went, "Really? I've gone. You can't have an idiot holiday," and you know took him off at half time, and then and then you know he basically taught him a lesson. But no, I, I, I completely agree. The thing what Wilf does best, right, is you just give him the ball. He, he has probably been our talisman in in the last four years, I would say. You know, apart from that, it may be even five. I'm just trying to think of, of, of the couple of seasons in the championship. You know, he was always our go-to player. And even though he left, you know, that little spell away at Man United, when he came back, everyone was like, we got our Wolf back. Mm. And, and, and it's, you know, I, I don't like to see him being... I mean, obviously, it, it worked out yesterday. So, but, but you need to be setting up. This is why it's such a, you know, a squad game. But you need to be setting up um, in a way that you're not going to negate your own players, and and the way that that's set up is one or two of those players is going to suffer. Yeah. So, but but like I said, I agree with you. The, the thing with Wilf is just just give him, just give him the ball. You know, give yeah, him the ball to his feet, and he'll run at you. Exactly. No, I just I just think it was. Um, I think I, I don't have any particular problem with the way Pardew actually set us up. I just think that. Um, yeah, for me, for Milf, me, Wilf said Milf in there. Don't pay too much attention to that. Wilf um, was was like I say, he was, he was sort of set up to fail really in that system. Um, I'm not too sure what I would have necessarily done different, other than perhaps just stuck him up front and Balassi wide, maybe um, with, with Balassi being that little bit stronger and what have you. But I, I don't know. I really don't. I just I just think um, you know I wouldn't go, go too hard in, in criticizing Wilf, um, but I did. I was frustrated to see him. Um, see him struggle and, and and he is he's an important player for us um opening goal albert uh obviously sacco's putting the ball in after and it, it was a clear foul on balassi you know he was tugged back by ogbonna and um despite their protesting from the west ham players uh it's definitely a keeper error but good to see that D- demo getting on the end of it he does he, he does really well to to get it on target because it's a it's the tightest that it couldn't have been any any of a tight angle um, to, to get to try and head it, but you know, I, I thought his instinct would have been to head it back across the goal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, in general, yesterday the the goals that we scored sort of seem to be the goals that we've been conceding normally. You know, a, a keeper error, uh, some real shocking defending, you know, maybe with a bit of bad luck. So it was nice. It was nice to see us. A, it was nice to see us score. B, it was nice to see us go ahead in a game. Um, and it was nice to see that you know a, t- a team that's certainly you know on a on a roll at the moment can can get struck down with some of the rotten luck that we've had over the last well this year I'm going to say this year yeah no, we we have had some some bad luck we definitely got some luck in our favour yesterday um, go on Joe you wanted to make a point on that goal yeah that, that uh, our first goal was that is a howler that's not even a mistake <laughs> that isn't firstly it's like two meters wide of his post. And he knows where his post is. All decent goalkeepers know where his post is. But then to not pay sort of sideways, he flipped it up in the air. He didn't 
palm it. It's sort of, no matter what way you look at that, that was almost the only person that could have scored from that setup after the ball went over was Delaney. And the only way that, 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 that Delaney could have scored was if the goalkeeper had dived and flipped it up in the air. So he was on the floor, and Delaney, although at a very acute angle, had an open goal. And yeah, that's just, exactly what happened. It was like, <laughs> he's, he's what on his head. earth? What on <laughs> earth was he thinking? And like, like, and, and like Albert just said, you know, both our goals, we, we profited through through mistakes. And it's nice, and that's how horrible to say, but it's nice to actually profit through mistakes instead of just go, as our luck, you know, they had one back on the line and it, and it did this and it did that, you know, or it took a bobble and, you know, we conceded, or it took a bobble and it hit his knee and went over the bar. You know, it's, it's just nice to have at last been able to to profit from and they were poor mistakes I mean, it was a calamity for the, for for our second goal but yeah really I, was. I don't care no exactly we'll come on to that go on patrick there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You had a bit to say? Well, I would feel bad for West Ham uh, fans with their goalie errors, but I've seen enough myself this year, so I'm not really bothered. <laughs> well, on that topic, <laughs> uh, we did get a, um, a message in from Richard Jeffries who wants to know, what's our thoughts on the vendetta, as he, as he describes it, against Hennessy? No Palace player should be treated like this by his own fans. We will talk Hennessy in detail when we get to the stage of talking about the, the second goal. I think that's probably good. That and, and, and the referee um, are probably going to I'd, take I'd a fair res- bit of this. I'd Go respond on. to that with Palace fans don't deserve to be treated the way they are by a goalkeeper. Well... <laughs> Exactly. Thank you, Albert. <laughs> well, there you go. You've seen, you've seen some views on that, Richard. I think um, me and Joe will try to give a little balance to that later on. But um, no, that's no fair. We'll, we'll One of the top back. ten keepers in the world. Yep. If you're going to go by international rankings, I'm, I'm not. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, look, one nil up, and perhaps we didn't really deserve it. I mean, like I say, we we had set up in the right way, and we have been dangerous from set pieces all season. So in a way, you could argue, although conceding a lot of possession. Um, we'd kept things tight. We hadn't really had any major threat against us, and we'd taken our chance. So you could argue that, um, you know, as much as I called it undeserved, you could argue that the game plan was working. But um, as our, our, you know, confidence has been so fragile of late, it, it didn't take a lot for um, for West Ham to get back in it. And obviously, one of the big features of the game was um, was the fullbacks getting forward, and in particular Antonio, who is obviously a winger who's been filling in a, a, a fullback. And I might mention a bit more about that later on, but essentially he got forward, you know, playing as a right winger uh, with Sacco up against him, and, and Sacco hasn't done enough to stop the cross. He's not a defender, so he can kind of understand that. Um, but then I, a little bit of a look at the defending on this. I'm sure I'm, I know you, Patrick. You probably had a bit of a look at the defending on the on the equaliser as well. So as the ball comes in, I think it's Sacco who's peeled off uh, towards the back post. And what you've got is you've got both our centre-backs, again, under the cross. 
um, almost occupying the same area, neither of whom is going to get near it, marking one player. And what you've got on the back post is you've got Joel Ward, the wrong side of Sacco, who's quite rightly he's going to be he's going to be that side of Ward if, um, if the centre back's not stayed with him. So you're kind of almost the setup for, for me from the cross is is that we, we are at full, uh, but it is a good header up and it's you know it's come back across the box and we've failed to clear our lines. Uh, and Lanzini's effort, I mean, okay, for all the criticism everyone sort of put Hennessy's way, there's no point in moving for that because he's hit it in in you know. The, the gap that he had from, from Dan and Delaney screaming out to him, he's just hit it in that gap and it's, it's in the net before Hennessy can move. So, um, poor goal to concede in my view. What do you think, Patrick? Yeah, um, Joel Ward's defending on that was really bad. And I'm going to have to say, he's really starting to let me down uh, most of this season. I think it might be time to drop him. Um, you just, that just can't happen. And, and, I, and, I, and we're going to go harken back to what we've said in the past. I've got I just got a feeling that again our defenders, you know, Ward, Delaney, Dan in particular, just don't know what to, what the goalie's gonna be doing on certain crosses, so they feel like they have to clear the ball and then it becomes a confusion as to who should clear it and that's what seems to be happening on a regular basis. But more than blaming the goalie on that, again I've got to blame Ward, it just he's the wrong side and that just shouldn't happen. And that's not the first time. I can I could actually name three or four times when Ward's got beaten exactly the same way on crosses. In particular I remember the Watford game. Same exact kind of cross, so it, it can't keep happening. And the fact he keeps getting picked and he doesn't anybody challenge him is a, is a major problem for us. We've got to address that. Yeah, I, I think that's um, that's a fair point of putting. I still think I still think the, the centre backs there. I think particularly Dan on, uh, has gone over to where Delaney is, right? Um, and I do think that that's a mistake as well. I think that's the first error in that in that um, that phase of play. If you I like. agree. And and Ward is struggling to get across. Across the Sacco, but it's it, you know we've got a chance to clear it after that. After the ball comes back across, and it's you can see it's this nervousness, this lack of confidence that the, the clearance is just poor, absolutely terrible, really. And it's a bit unlucky too, because I think it bounced off of someone and then went to um, uh, Lanzini. So I mean, I know what you're saying, but I think it kind of bubbled around. You know, and another day it bounces, you know, left or right, and we clear it. But you're right, it kind of bounced kind of straight off a defender and then went right straight to Lanzini, who made a great finish. To be fair, so. No, it was it was a good finish, but um, I, I don't know. I think I think if we're um, if we've got a bit more confidence about us, I don't think we concede that goal. Albert, any views on the uh, on the equaliser? Uh, much the same as what you guys are saying. Really, it's it's. Um, I think Patrick might be onto something saying the defend the defence is um, maybe a bit uncertain as to what the man between the sticks is going to do, and that you know that can just naturally put everybody. Uh, unrest and yeah, and it's it was unfortunate really, especially to, to concede so soon after we taken the lead. You know, it's all you, you sort of want to just shut up shop for five minutes and just settle down again. But um, yeah, disappointing. Mm. I got some chat uh, from the chat room. Oh, you've got <laughs> some chat. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to just go back about ten minutes. Um, and Eagle six seven six four said, "Blassie through the middle has never worked." Gal, a striker comes on, we score. Not rocket science. Uh, King B said, Gail or Wickham to start against Norwich and we can win our first game of 2016 um, or start one and then bring one on in the second half. Um, Palace Forever said... Hasn't Wickham got to be fit first? Well, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, obviously, he's, but he's, he's broken. Was that Thunder again, Joe? Uh, yeah, but that's, that wasn't me. That was someone else. But, oh, was it? Yeah. There's a storm going on. It seems to be distracting the presenting team. Carry on, Joe. It's all right. Yeah, Not in America, uh, there isn't one. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's anyway. funny. Anyway, that, that wasn't through my microphone anyway. I think it was Are you in America, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, 
<coughs> Palace Forever said the experiment I would like to see is that is uh, with Wilf um, is to see him cutting earlier towards the penalty box rather than to continue to run down the line. Um, well, anyway, uh, Eagle and Fly, Damo did well there, even if it was a mistake from West Ham. Um, and then King B said, I, I said I'd take a point against West Ham, particularly the way they, uh, um, how we fought back. As long as we get three points against Norwich and Newcastle, then our fears will be put to rest. They will. Um, that's, that's a big ask. And then um, Elbacan, I think his name is, he said it's um, a windy day in northeast USA. Yes, it is. Nice one. It's very windy here. Hey. No thunder. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, um, so yeah, a wide range of views there. And uh, say so at that point, we're, we're, point we're talking about, we've, we've conceded that equaliser and I kind of did fear at that point we, we did kind of rally a little bit after conceding i think uh, dan had a header that went well wide and he, he was complaining his shirt was being pulled in the area of course we've seen them given against us never for us but um and there you go but nothing too much going on and we had we had a bit of a warning uh because P- uh, Pyatt was failed fa- failed fouled um outside the area uh, missed sort of high on that occasion everyone breathed a bit of a sigh of relief um but it wasn't too well just before half time, really. That's um, well, actually before I get to the the, the winning goal, we're talking about uh, Punch's chance. So um, obviously he's hit one over the bar from pretty much straight in front of goal, and you're kind of thinking, you know, he's got to do better than that, really. Um, but having seen some really good analysis on it on goals on Sunday this morning, um, which was a fiasco in itself. Yeah, they didn't show this. Didn't show the second Palace goal, but, did they? But, but did you hear? Did you hear what they said when they eventually showed it? No, because of the complaints we've had from Crystal Palace fans, um, we thought we'd better show the equalising goal. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, better like, show it. It's, it's part of the game. <laughs> I was I, I was, was round I was round Holmesdale uh, Cravatics house this morning, and I said nice. to him, "Did we did we lose that goal? Did we lose that game? Did we lose two one?" Because I, I, they've not showed their second goal, and then they went on to another game. I was like, "Okay, yeah, that was a bit. That was a bit odd." But Do um, all the Holmesdale Cravatics live in the same house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it's, it's like a giant mansion. It's a bit of a cult. Like the um, oh, I've, my brain's gone. I was thinking of Jonestown massacre, but let's let's not go there. <clears throat> You're thinking about Texas, aren't you? The, the well, uh, that's it, Waco. Waco, Waco, yeah. kid. Yeah. Anyway, go on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Waco me off. Whoa! For God's sake, Al. An actual catchphrase. It doesn't work, though, does it? Doesn't um, work. Anyway, so uh, ball came in from Soiree on the left, and uh, and Punch has missed that because, as um, it Ogbonna, I think he's got he's gone to handball it. He, he's got he jumped under the flight of the ball, and he's actually stuck his arm right up, and he only just gets that hand out of the way. But I mean, that's that's probably red card territory, and obviously penalty if he if he connects with his hand, but. In a way, you think that it's still just as bad going to do that because he's he's put punching off. Um, he's ended up just sort of thighing the ball over the top. Now you can argue if Punch's looking to head that, which I, I wouldn't ever, can't ever call him heading the ball. But if he's going to head that, you might think he's got his eyes on the ball and he's still gonna still gonna get there. But I don't know. It was it was what I'm getting at is it wasn't as bad a miss as it as it perhaps looked in the first place. But certainly a chance to um you know to, to go ahead in the game. Uh, but and we were punished. Um, the, the the leading up to the the free kick. Um, again, it's Ward who's made the challenge. Now I feel a little bit sorry for him because the ball's kind of sort of dribbled away from the first challenge, 
and all he's doing is running out to clear it but but obviously Payet nips, nips in there and, and knocks it to one side first and it, it looks like a, it's a really clumsy mistimed time challenge and he has to get criticised for it what do you think Patrick? Um, I'm not really sure <laughs> no? no right. um, it's a free kick it is, I mean, it is a free. Obviously, it's a free kick. But I, I just, I, you know, we've we've sort of had a bit of a dig at Ward. But I, I, like I say, I do feel a bit of sympathy for him. But anyway, we know it's we know it's in a dangerous area. You know what to expect. So there's been debate on this. Um, it's a great free kick, isn't it? I mean, that's the first thing, Patrick. It's all right. All right, it's a great free kick. But I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, feel free to. You don't have to. Um, I I put out two. I put out a tweet that showed both free kicks, one in the 21st minute and one in the, the one that he scored on. They're in exactly the same position. The difference is there's a six-man wall in the first one and a seven-man wall in the, in the second one. On the first um, one, what Lanzini, uh, Payet tries to do, he tries to go over the wall. If you go over the wall and he scores, it's a brilliant goal because that's what the wall's supposed to do. You're not supposed to really cheat to that side. If you watch how Hennessy plays keeper, he cheats every single time. He actually didn't cheat on that first free kick. He takes two steps on the second one to his right, and once he does that, he's done. Now, is it a great free kick? Yes. But Wayne Hennessy is about six foot five. If he stays where he is, Les, and he jumps, I think he gets a chance to save that. I really do. Now, again, it's a great free kick, and Pirates excellent at them. But Hennessy kills himself when he decides to take those two steps to the left, right. And again, why, are you, why do you have a seven-man wall, which is unheard of, by the way, and then cheat to your right-hand side? It doesn't make any sense, and he does that all the time. No, it's only, it's only a four-man wall, but one of them was Bakary Sacco. <laughs> Eight-man wall then, but I mean, do you know what I mean? I don't understand why you why he does that. And again, <laughs> is he going to save it? Probably not. But he doesn't even move for it. And he's again, he's a very tall goalkeeper. And he's made great saves this season by diving. You know, he's very good at getting up in the air and diving. So for me, it's a great goal. But he can do better than that. He really can. And that's what's frustrating with me on that goal. It's, I, I found it really difficult to to sort of. My initial thought was, I mean, you watch it go in. You think that's absolutely top corner. Egg, exactly. There's, there's, you know, you think there's no way. Brilliant goal, right? You know, you just got to watch that go in, applaud it, and just, just carry on, really. Well, and if he did, he did. He stood there and he applauded. You missed the applause, if, though. Yeah, and then obviously you see the, you see the step to the right, and you think, oh, hang on a second, you know, as he, as he made an error there. But again, watching it, the more you watch it, you think it started so far <coughs> outside the post. But for me, it's the height. It's the height that does and, it because it's yeah. so, so high when it leaves his foot. You can almost see Hennessy go. It's going over again because just like the last one, like you say, it was almost a carbon copy in terms of distance. But that dip was insane, and you know, obviously, it's hit with pace. But there is a debate to whether or not he could have done a bit more. Um, Albert, oh, go are you trying to get back in there, Patrick? Nice, no, nice, no, me. I, oh, I, yes, just, I just need to, right. Firstly, the ball, I've seen the analysis, and um, the, the ball swerved two point, it started 2.6 meters outside the post. Right, and 1.4 meters above the bar. That is that is an absolutely Cristiano Ronaldo free kick. That one. Um, it's not me. I think that's the rain at Albert's place. <clears throat> Albert, he might. You think it's, it's very it's very rainy in my conservatory. <laughs> <laughs> it's impressive stuff. I'll, yeah. I'll mute it. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll speak in a bit. Bye. Yeah, bye. Oh wow, that's that's certainly that, uh, certainly that was, right. Listen, the, the other the other thing I'm, I, I just need to say is every single goalkeeper will take a a step to the right. It, if they always do, and it's the same old thing. If the ball goes in, they go, "Oh, look at him! He took a step to the right." Every goalkeeper does it. I don't know why they do it. It's like a trigger movement, right? But he took two steps. 
Yeah, but, but, right. but Patrick, he still wouldn't have got it. He still wouldn't have got it, honestly. I, I, I I'm not well, saying he would have got it, Joe, but he does that all the time. He always takes that step. He cheats. But why have a wall, then? Why have the wall set up that way? If he goes over the wall, Joe, it's a better goal, honestly. It's, it's a better it's, goal. I, I, I agree. I agree. This thing about we have to set a wall up is just like something from the 1960s. Football hasn't moved on when it comes to that. <laughs> Always, it always amazes me to go, he's 43 yards out, we stick two men in front of him. Why would you do that? When the, the way the balls that they bend these days, you can, you know, I mean, you've been out to bend a, a, a ball five metres. Roberto Carlos did that back in, what, not in 98, was it? 96, yeah. something like that. It was, just, five, it was mate, the yeah, first yeah. person to suss out how to do it. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous. But I do think he was beaten by a worldie, and sometimes we have to, you know, I mean, I suppose the only person that would have saved it is John Burridge. That's what he told me. He told me this morning on Twitter. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I didn't want to cane him. I really want, didn't want to tell him he's fucking deluded. But I, I, saw, I watched him play, and he never in a million years would he have got that, even if he was standing there. He's only about 5'11", well, anyway. Yeah, just ridiculous. Yeah, the, the, just the ridiculous. Only, the only thing I saw, and you joke about him standing there, the only thing that I kind of, that I thought, and I know it's a bit of a simplistic way of viewing it, but I just thought, if Wayne right. Hennessy stands, right. literally stands probably a, a two steps to his left and puts his hands up in the air, they hit his, it hits his hands. <laughs> Thank you, Christopher. You know really that, and, and that's not. I'm not. I'm not. Again, I'm not saying that that's how you you don't you keep okay, gold because right, it isn't. Right, no way. Right. Wait, let me finish. I'm not saying. I'm not. It's not really me criticizing it. It's where I think that the the doubt is coming from. I'm just saying he can he can get there, but the way, but the you know the you, again, you've just got to admire the strike because. You, you can't really anticipate the curve and speed and, and bend and dip that's on that. You, it's very, very. It's an incredible technique. There's so few players who can actually hit the ball like that. So if it, you know, if it's a more predictable path, right? If it's a more predictable type kind of, you know, free kick, then then probably he gets across and probably he can just stand there and almost tip it over the bar, right? But you know, again, like, so that's where I think the criticism's coming from. Joe, does that clear it up, or do you want to carry on? No, I'm just if if we're gonna go, you know, if he does stand on that post, if he doesn't move and he and he sticks his hands up in the air, right, and he, or he has to just jump, then you're right, he does save it, right. So what he does, he stays there. But then if he stays where he is, right, because what they said on Golden Goals on Sunday, which you haven't turned around and said, was when he took those two paces right. to the right. He was absolutely then in the perfect position. That's what they said. I didn't say it. That's what they said. He put him in the perfect position. But the other thing is... If he doesn't doesn't take those two paces, right, Mm -hmm. and he stands where he is, and then... Paye does what he's done against France and against, uh, for France and against Man United, and he puts it over the top of the wall, and it goes in right. the other corner. If he goes in a third of the way over, they go, look at that mug standing there, right over the other side. He, let, he gave him, they gave him more than three quarters of the goal. What's he expected to do? Not bother scoring. He's on a hiding to nothing. And the thing is, at the moment, Hennessy is on a hiding to nothing, no matter what he does. No matter what he does. Well, do do we go- think... Do we think that that's unfair? Actually, before, before we go into that, um, Albert, your view on, that, on the free kick? I'd just agree with whatever Ben Shepherd says, to be honest. Footballing expert told on Sunday, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Well, he's got, you know, extensive experience in the game. I, you know, I have to say, you, you make that sort of joke, but again, you could go to something, go to what Burridge was saying. And again, okay, maybe not, as Gerald said, maybe not on the goal itself. But in general, his comment was the, the, something we've discussed at length over the last few shows. Uh, and, and again, a bit today is that, that, 
you know, a world-class keeper wins you, wins you points. Um, and the, and the defense don't have confidence in Wayne Hennessy. Now, is, is that true? Does, you know, we, we're speculating, of course, but, uh, you know, we, I think, I think we can, without being too unfair on Wayne Hennessy, I think we could do better in goal than Wayne Hennessy. Chris. That's, that's my feeling. I'm sorry to interrupt, but did you see the reaction of the players when the ball went in, how they put their hands on their head? Anybody mm. else see that? Is that not telling to everybody? I'm not, again, I'm not saying you should say that. Again, I don't want to sound overly critical because I always am on him. But for me, the most telling thing was when you look at the replay, you see four to five persons that will put their hands on their heads. Why would is you do that? that? Is that not just general, oh, uh, we've conceded after like two minutes of being ahead? Disappointment. I, I, no, I, I would. Not, that was for the free kick was a little bit late. But I know what you're saying, Albert, but I just, it could be, but it might be, you know, um, I, who knows? <laughs> I'm just I saying, I thought that was telling to see the I'd say, reaction. I'd say it could be it could be a combination of things. It could have been a, oh my god, you know, we should have, that should have stopped been stopped. I think personally, it's much more likely to be the whole run up to the game is don't give away free kicks in that area because Payet's going to score, and then we give away a free kick in that area and Payet scores. You know, yeah, but yeah, but that was the second free kick. But Jay Dawson ran and said you can't blame Hennessy for the set, uh, for the second goal. He was put in a shoebox size space in the top corner. Shilton wouldn't have got to that. Um, Eagle in flight. He wasn't playing. Eagle in flight said uh, didn't fault Hennessy for the second goal. I'm not sure about the um, about the first one, but I'm prepared to give Hen the Ben of the doubt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I, I, I do agree. I do agree with the, the general consensus that that he's not really at fault from that. And I think, but I think what's not done in many many favours is the fact that he hasn't moved. People almost say, well, look, if it goes in, it goes in. But at least have a jump for it. Um, but we'll talk. Uh, go on, Albert. Before we. No, I was just going to say, briefly for me, I'm, similar to Patrick, I'm not saying he would have saved it if he hadn't moved to his right, but he would have given himself a much better chance. But, Thank um, you, Albert. But in general, the point, the point that Richard Jeffries tweeted in much, much earlier and, and said it's a, it's a vendetta against Wayne Hennessy. Oh, you know, he is getting a lot of, a lot of criticism. Not, you know, nothing, I, don't, I haven't seen anything that harsh. You know, there's been a few people who have been over the, over the top harsh with him, but not many. Most people are just saying... You know, he looks like he's struggling. He looks like, you know, there's certainly that there's a lack of belief, um, certainly a lack of belief from the fan base, and there might be a lack of belief from the, from the players in his abilities. People were chanting his name at Reading. Well, that is true, yeah. He's, you know, he's had some support, definitely. And I think, again, you talk, people talk about Twitter and the message boards as if it's how people behave, but at the games, I've, I've heard very little um, abuse go ahead. his way. He gets applauded, he gets his name sung, you know. I think that, I think, Fans at games are much more uh, inclined to be supportive of players. So I, again, I don't think that that's an issue. But my my main question is whether or not he's good enough to be the Palace number one. Is he better than McCarthy? Is he better than Speroni? Um, well, we've got a couple, and, a couple of little bits from the uh, yeah from, go. From, the, from the chat room. Um, uh, thank you very much, M U T C H. Said Ari Punchin, <laughs> is his mere presence on the pitch uh, as a leader of men enough? <laughs> there you go. Uh, and Tilly Sosa said, anyone got a spare Norwich ticket? <laughs> and, <laughs> um, uh, and thank you very much. Again, said I think the blame can be placed squarely on Waldy, and rightly so. The challenge was nothing short of irresponsible. Yeah, I mean. It- he was frustrated by it himself, but like yeah. I say, it was it was just one of them. It was nicked away from him. But um, look, it's you know, I I would much rather on on that particular goal. I'd much rather say that that you know one of the best players in the Premier League this season has, has pulled out another great free kick. Um, you know, 
and, and, and yes, it raises the Hennessy debate yet again, and I think that's something that will go on. I, I personally think we've got to go out and get get a properly, you know, impressive goalkeeper. You know, someone who's proper class. Tim uh, Krull. Next year. I, I don't know if he's, if he's the answer. If you listen to Newcastle fans, mind you, should you ever listen uh, what to they know? Fans? Uh, he certainly had fitness problems as well, which is yeah. the other thing. You've got to have people. Yeah. Who, how, how old is he as well? Oh, he's not that old. Probably, uh, yeah, probably twenty nine. I'm going to guess. No. Well, Eagle in flight said Hennessy is, is is he allergic to grass? Uh, more so than Spironi. However, he needs us to get behind him. So there you go. Yeah, and I say I, I don't think anyone's um, what on the goal line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would help. <laughs> hey. oh, you know what? Today is Tim Cool's birthday. And how old is he today? How old is he? Twenty-eight today. Oh, I wasn't far off, was I? What a what a coincidence! Eh? April third, nineteen eighty-eight. Happy birthday, Tim! <laughs> See you next year. I'm playing yeah. for Palace. Um, right. I've left a bit of silence there because I pressed the wrong button on my iPad. Oh, I thought it was just like Tim Crawl's birthday was very poignant or something. Yeah, I was just having a moment. <laughs> let's all just, just, let's all just take that in. Yeah. <laughs> 28 years old. <sighs> Still enjoying it. That's all enough, right. though. All right, all right. That's the, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so um, as the sort of half true to a close, I think we were, we were, we looked shell-shocked, really. Um, and right, right towards the end of the half, I just, I lost kind of the will to live when, um, I can't remember, actually it was Mila Yedinak was offside from a free kick in her own half. And I just thought, what is, what is going on? No, he just, we've got a free kick in our own half and, <laughs> and he gets given, he gets given offside. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just sort of unforgivable really. Um, so the halftime change came, Gail came on for, for Wilf and um, I, I, like I said before, I thought it had been misused, chasing long balls and defending. But um, but we certainly started to threaten, um, you know, and, and you could argue back to a lot of point you make a lot, Joe. Simple football striker up front, wingers on the wing, and all of a sudden we look um, look a better better unit. Um, Gail had too simple. Yeah, Gail had to work hard to get into the game. To be honest, and I think he mentioned himself on um, on the, the the Palace channel after the game that um, you know he felt early on he was doing a lot of chasing, trying to win headers against people he wasn't going to win headers against, and that's always the risk with Dwight Gale uh, playing up front. But when we started to get the ball into feet and he got a bit of support in and around him, uh, Punch and got forward very very well to support him uh, on, a, on a number of occasions, and um, and Sacco and Balassi as well got much more into the game, and then it started to look like a you know we looked like we had a a threat really even before the um before the sending off um Cresswell obviously cleared off the line for Gale was putting pressure on um on Adrian and um the ball was sort of squared to Sacco I thought that was the, uh, you know at the time you think that's the moment but again shows the the merits of having a defender uh, get hmm. back and get on the line Sacco's not done too much wrong there has he Patrick no um it was a great clearance by, uh, by uh, Cresswell. I don't think he could have done it. Maybe he could have gone, you know, obviously the other side of the goal. But, I mean, I thought he did well. Lenny did a great job to get the ball to Sacco in the first place. But, no, you couldn't do much better than that. You're kind of hoping he goes off his leg and goes in the net. So, I mean, a little bit higher, yes. But, I mean, for where he was, you know, you're, you're hoping to get a shot on goal, obviously, and not Sky. I thought he did decently on that play. It was a shocking back pass, though, for, for Gale to yeah. have half, half an inkling about to, ch- to try and chase it down. But give yeah. Gale credit for just chasing yeah. it down. 
Well, that was the moment we were really that, that Koyate just sort of lost <laughs> lost his grip on the game, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Um, he's kind of he's, he didn't really recover from that that appalling back pass, uh, and it was moments later um, where he where he's he's basically just stretched for he's really bad control, um, and he's just stretched for the ball when when Gale's always going to get there just about first, you know. And, and I I felt I did I did think we've got a bit lucky there. It's a high yeah. challenge. Uh, but it, it's one footed. It's poor. It's late. But you'd, you'd be you'd be annoyed if it's, if it's a Palace player sent off for that. Um, but then obviously Pardew's giving it the right context by saying, you know, Gale got sent off for uh, for us in the in the in the home game for you know very little as well for two uh, tackles. But this is difference exactly. The thing is that was Kiate's first bad tackle with straight red. If he gave him a yellow win for here, but you know, like Gerald just said, it was two poor tackles by Gale. So, but again, that's to me, that's never a red card. It isn't. It's a poor challenge. It's late. It's a little high. It wasn't two footed. It wasn't studs up. It was a, you know, it was Clambrook being Clambrook. Was he in control? Because that's the new thing now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, but is it in control, uh, Albert, for a red or in control just for a, you know, a yellow card or a foul? Because I, you know, I don't know if it's a red card out of control, but. We got lucky. You've stumped me there. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I don't mean to put a question at you like that. Well, okay. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask you, though. I, th- I thought what, what does him is the fact that he jumps off the ground. Yeah, yes. he's in the air. Yeah, uh, but yeah. There's, and yeah, you can't, there's no denying that. He's, done it, he's not done it maliciously. It's because the ball's running away from him. And he's trying desperately to get back to it, but he has left the ground. If he doesn't leave the ground and jump into the player... Then, you know, then he doesn't get sent off. There's not even a question. Uh, I do, I do think he's a little bit lucky. But I will say this: it does depend on the angle you see it from. Yes, from the referee's it, angle, it does look a lot worse. I'm going to say he's, he's right there, which is a, he's very he's got a great angle. And like you said, Chris, it's easy to slow it down and see it. But when you are seeing it at full speed, I can see how Clamber would call it right away. If he sees it again, I bet he says, "You know what? That might get rescinded." Yeah, exactly. And look at you, look at the way. Do you think of, so? Not with his studs. Not with his stud. Every single stud showing. Yeah, it wasn't, you know. Look at his foot again. His studs are not really up. They really aren't. He's it's, it's, it's got a leading foot. It's one foot's kind of behind. He, he clips his leg and he clips his, his knee. I'm telling you, I don't think it's really studs up. They really don't, but again. So, so, he's, so he's, his foot is at least 18 inches off the floor and he's, he's out of control with, his, with, his, with studs up and foot like it. It's sending off. We, we'd have been screaming for that if it had been one of our players. It just, I, I, I honestly what, think... he sent off? Yes, if it was the other way round, we'd right. have been screaming. And, for, for, that, and I yeah. would want to get sent off. You're saying? No, no. I'm saying if it was the other way, if it, if it was, if it was. Oh yeah, no. If it was, if it was one of our players, yeah, they did that. Right. And, and you said, well, he got studs up. He's gone in and smashed him. But the thing is, Patrick, it's not. It's all about interpretation nowadays, right? And the other wait. thing is. The other thing as well, right, what the referee could have done, right, was because he didn't get the ball, you can actually receive a red and yellow card for intent. That is part of that is part and package of the rules now. It's been for years and years. You, you can get done for intent. You know, we, we, you can't see his face, whether he screwed his face up as he went to do yeah, it. Yeah, but the perfect. Yeah, but the thing is, you know Clattenburg. Clattenburg blows so hot and cold with us. Exactly. We've had, what, that, we've had him nine times now and we've got two points. Happy days. I'm, right, you but know. the thing is, though, Joe, you were saying before, I, I just don't, I just think if you look at what Chris said before, the ball got miscontrolled, and you know what I mean, and then Gale went in for it. I think it wasn't more of the intent there was to win the ball back. It wasn't like, I don't think he was really literally trying to hurt Gale. He miscontrolled the ball, and that's what he was going for. Do you know, but, I don't, I guess, but having said that, like I say, I'm, 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 still, I'm still on the fence whether it should have been a red or not, but if his, his, his foot is high off the ground, and if that, yeah. if that, connected, if that connected square on with Gale's oh, no 
he could have broken his leg. Definitely. Exactly. So but it's, he didn't. Uh, no, so, he, but he didn't. But again, it's the, right. the high tackle is a high tackle, isn't it? The, yeah. it's, it's not about did Dwight Gale get his leg broken or not. It's understood. No, I, I get it. It's the anyway, the, the most important thing is I'm glad he got sent off. Yeah. Why <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it was him that that died on the pitch for about fifteen seconds and then got up after he after Gale got the second yellow. Was it not? Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there is swings, swings and roundabouts. We call that where I live. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, In Okay. That's good, dear boy. Sorry, mate. <laughs> um, a few tweets come in. Um, a lot of debate over um, goalkeepers. Rich Jeffries actually pointing out that um, there was people singing Spironi's name at the game and he felt that was out of order. Uh, John Nightingale saying Spironi's our best keeper, saved us points, not giving them away. Um, um, Lisa's got in touch to let everyone know that Damo has a girlfriend, which is a disaster apparently. That's, um, what? What news? Newsflash. Uh, yeah, newsflash. And uh, yeah, no, there you go. It's, it's you know, uh, it's, you know, it's um it's a difficult one really. I I would I thought think it would have been a shame to if any Palace player had been sent off for something like that. But it has handed the impetus to us um, in the game, and certainly not going to be complaining about that. Um, and we did for once <laughs> we did take advantage of it. Um, what was good for, in my view is that we actually up the um, up the tempo of the game after that. Just actually started really pressing hard. We'd started that from the, the beginning of the second half. I think Pardew had pretty much got into the players a bit um, and said, you know, stop stop standing off. We've we've let them have too much respect. We've let them have too much time in the ball. Let's start let's start going after them. And I think that had unsettled them um, and maybe maybe even led to Coyote losing it the way he did. Um, but anyway, we, we got ourselves back into it. We got an opportunity because of the referee and decision. Um, so you can argue, oh, I'm pretty sure West Ham fans would be saying there's no way it's a red card and blaming the ref. Uh, we've been there before a lot ourselves. Um, we stuck Campbell on to try and give some uh, presence alongside um, alongside Dwight Gale, and uh, Ledley went off the pitch. Again, probably the right decision. We've made a, an error in the past, upset, upsetting the rhythm of the team and uh, changing the system, but um, it did it did work out. He was a willing runner, and it did give us a bit of um, a bit of again a bit more impetus. So, you know, the, the first opportunity we had was was Sacco at the back post. And I've, the more I watch that miss, the the worse it is. Um, Joe, you know the one I'm talking about, where uh, Balassi's put the ball in, and he's tried to volley it in the back post and managed to effectively clear it. Yeah, yeah. It was a, I, I was going to say it was. It wasn't even. It, oh, it's was terrible. It was just terrible. I'm just still chuckling from that from the name that I've just put in um, <laughs> in, in our chat. Um, but yeah, it was a shocking, a shocking miss. And but what's a crossbar, Balassi? That's the kind of thing that we that, that he needs to be doing. You know, the crosses yesterday were brilliant. Yep, were absolutely brilliant. And I mean, the cross that that, uh, and I don't know whether it was just the way that they hit it or the position of the ball they hit it. But that, that cross from Suarez for the goal that was that that curled the last thirty yards of that. Did you? It almost looked like it was like CGI. <laughs> it, it, it curled and dipped. It was just really, really bizarre. But yeah, I mean that, that miss by Bosaka was just a you know just a a shocker. Albert, well, I got a bit confused with that that chance because on match of the day, the commentator saying uh, Sacco, Sacco, Sacco crosses the ball in and Sacco at the back post. So the players <laughs> all over the pitch in the second half. You know, yeah, and West Ham have got one as well, haven't they? So yeah. Jesus, <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's, I thought. Um, 
Sacco had one of the, considering he could have had a hat trick, he had one of the, you know, it was quite an odd performance because I didn't, I didn't think he was particularly good, but he, he could have scored two, potentially three goals. Well, that, um, yeah, so, yeah. What, talking about the crossing, actually, that was um, an example of, of Balassi at his best, crossing the ball on the run, you know, running at pace and still getting in a proper cross. And, and like you say, Suarez, now he has those he has those moments, doesn't he, where he's where he puts in a kind of cross that you can't you just can't defend. And he was very good on his crossing yesterday. Um much better performance than his forty five minutes against Leicester for for absolutely sure. But I noticed that the um the the um he's getting a bit of abuse in, in the chat room, Joe. Yeah, I was <laughs> I think he was gonna come to me straight away. Um but yeah, so so his name is Musabio, which is brilliant. Uh, is it me or what? But has everyone been blind to the fact that Suarez was at fault for West, uh, second West Ham goal? He's pathetic backhead to the danger area instead of away, preferably out of, uh, out of left touch. Um, hang on a sec, oh, it's just disappeared. Uh, but anyway, but, it's, but anyway, um, but but there's a lot of people um, basically saying, you know. Um, they're really having a go. I mean, thank you very much. I used to think Suarez was great, but he's really tested my patience in the last few games. You know, there's, there's that, a lot. Of people... That would be my uh, my sentiment on him. Well, yeah, I mean, but but there's you know there's a lot of people saying that he needs a break basically, and they'd rather have they'd rather see Kelly back there. You know, um, I don't know King Beasts. I think I just don't rate him anymore. So the, you know, there's this uh, again give. Give Kelly and uh, uh, Mary Abra a chance. I, I, I think um, at right back, at right back they can play right back either one. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, but but Kelly's played, you know, put Ward over. I mean, Ward's no. having, Ward's having mare at right back. He's having a, for me. He's having a mare. I chuck, chuck him over on the left. Worst of it, you know. Well, yeah, I'll put, or put him on the bench and, and bring both of them, you know. I, I just, I, I, I've said for ages, I think we just need three more points in and I think we can have a chat, you know, that everyone else has got to play everyone else down the bottom or they've got to play the top team. And I, I think we can, we need to blood a few players. That's what I think. But anyway, like I say, he's coming for a, a quite a bit of, uh, quite a bit of, um, you know, I think people are getting impatient with him now. So can I, can I defend him for a bit then? Go on, Because yeah. obviously he hasn't been playing great defensively. I mean, I thought he was better, much better yesterday than he was against Leicester. I mean, he has a problem cutting the crosses up. But what, what he gives you, which no one else can give you, he gives you that speed down the, down the flanks and those good crosses. We all, we've always talked about how good he is at crossing the ball. And it's been hit and miss a little bit. Yesterday's crosses by him, honestly, put three or four brilliant balls in yesterday. That's what you've got to deal with. You've got to deal with that the afternoon down. He's not a perfect left back. He's not a defensive left back. He's just not, that's not his forte. But he's very good getting forward. And I think that's why we have him. And I've always mentioned in the past about his speed, his recovery speed to help out the centre backs. I think it's very important to just have him in the lineup. So I get the part of wanting to play Kelly or Mariapa or whatever. But for me, I'd keep him in there. As long as he put those balls in, I would, I would switch the right back out and put Mariapa or Kelly. I don't care which one to put it there. I would not put Ward at left back again because I really think that Suarez is going through some growing pain, but he's definitely you know, getting better as far as, like I said, just, I mean, the league's hard to adjust to. So he's been poor, but he hasn't been our worst defender by, by a long time. Not for me anyway. Okay. That's been just, Ward. I just need to correct something. King B said it's Shamak. I commented on Jill. He said, when I said I don't rate him anymore. So it's Shamak and not Suarez. Oh, thank you, King B. You're, you're 
But I'll, I'll, I'll take King B's words and twist them around. I'll say that I don't <laughs> think he deserves to be left back anyway. Stands anyway. But Soiree was was much better yesterday. But then again, having said that, for the forty, you can't get much worse than those forty-five first forty-five against Leicester. He is he is inconsistent. Now I say I think it very much depends on on the kind of team that we're playing. I know he's quite in front of him as to how well he well he does. Um, he's certainly certainly in terms of left back going forward. Um, I've got I've got a lot a lot of confidence in him. I really have. I think he's he's an excellent attacking left back. Um, it's just there's just got to be something a bit more about his defending. Something a bit. It seems to be. It, I think the word's erratic. It's it's yeah. It, you know, perfect. He, yep. can, he just just you know every now and then he just does something bizarre. You know, doesn't clear a ball that he should clear. Takes a touch he shouldn't take or puts the ball into a, an area he shouldn't put it into. It's it's it's. It's weird. It really is weird. But um, you know, I, again, I think Suarez got the potential to be, you know, to, to have that left back slot, make it his own for a long, long period of time. Um, but you know, he's got he's got to get better at defending at this level. So um, yeah, obviously we haven't we haven't really talk, we've sort of mentioned the goals uh, the, the goal scores. I won't get too much into it. Other than to say that. Um, it's the kind of defending that you can put the circus music behind, isn't it? <laughs> Where the ball comes in, one, one centre-back kicks it into the other centre-back and then Gail, Gail slots it in very nicely. But it's a really good finish, isn't it, Patrick? It's brilliant. Um, didn't they do the same thing last year when Murray scored one of those goals last year? Against them? Didn't they do similar defending by West Ham? Yeah, it's enjoyable. Yeah. It is it's great, but Clamis is good. But yeah, and you know what I like about the finish? It was very cool because a, a lot of players, I hate to say, I'm not going to name anybody in our squad, but would have, you know... Hit it wide, hit it over the bar. But he was—he's so, Gale in the six-yard box or in the penalty spot. He's so deadly because he's very calm. He's a poacher, and I know Gale's, I mean, uh, Joe's a big fan of his, and a lot of people are. And that's what you like about him. If you give him a chance, he'll put it away. He just needs more chances. So, uh, but it was a really well-taken goal. I mean, again, a great, great ball in by Suarez too. It's interesting, uh, Albert, to hear Pardew talk about Gale after the game and say, "Oh yeah." Uh, not, not only does he, not Strange. only does he. He looks stronger. He looks, you know, looks bigger and more muscular, or whatever. Uh, but he also said, um, you know, he's a goal scorer. We're gonna, we've been talking as a coaching staff. We're gonna right. need his goals for the for the rest of the season. What did you make of that, Albert? Oh, I'm bored of trying to work out what Pardew's saying at the moment. To be honest, um, yeah, it goes back to what you were saying about playing Blassie up front. You know, you know, Blassie's up there for his pace, but Blassie's not known for his. For his finishing, I know he's, he's certainly improved over the last, I'd say, twelve months. But he's still, you know, he's still not what I would call a prolific finisher. I'd, I'd, I'd argue that Gale, Gale's almost as quick as Balassi, if not as quick, and is a better finisher. So I sort of, I, I, if you're going to put someone up front who's who you're going to sort of concede isn't necessarily going to win headers and put centre backs, you know, under sort of aerial aerial pressure. Why isn't Gale playing that role? To be honest, I, I, you know, I know he's he, he's been playing hot and cold, and he's mm. you could argue he's inconsistent. But I just think if you're gonna if you're gonna take a punt on someone who's gonna you know play a role that they're not necessarily suited for, why not play someone who's who's got the finishing abilities that that Gale's got? So there's definitely a case for starting him more if if Wickham's going to be out, and and you know I'm not, I'm not sold on Adebayor. Um, to be honest, uh, I think it depends who we're playing and if we're at home, if we're away. But listen, you know we're we're not blessed with goals, certainly from strikers. So why not why not give Dwight Gale another run? I'd rather see him in the starting lineup than Fraser Campbell. Do you think we can 
accommodate a Gale and Wickham partnership? Uh, I think we can if I don't know how uh, how long Kabai's out for, um, but I think you need you, you need to make a concession in midfield, um, and I think Kabai certainly for the money we're paying him, if he's fit, he needs to he needs to start just for the the sort of natural ability he brings. So there's definitely I'd probably need a, a pen and a paper and a bit more time, but there's. There's definitely, a, I certainly, as if we were ch- chasing a game last half an hour, that, that I can definitely see a, a Wickham and Gale partnership. I think, I think, I think you're right when you talk about the midfield. I think if you if you replace Ledley and Jedinak with Kabai and Macarthur, all of a sudden I think that's on as a as a system. But we'll probably come back to that at some point in in future shows. Uh, Patrick, you and Joe, what got some more comments on Gale? <clears throat> yeah, um, the comment was interesting by Pods, and I'm I'm a lot like uh, Albert. I his comments post match, pre-match, of they blow my mind, but I will say this, um, Gale hasn't really been fit um, for a lot of this season, um, you know, I'm looking at the schedule now, I know that when he was fit around the West Brom Sunderland time, that's when Wickham was obviously firing, so we didn't really need him then, and the Liverpool match was, that was a disaster, I believe he came on in that game, and then obviously Leicester, so it's not like he's, he's been sitting on the bench for eight, nine games in a row, we haven't played him, I mean, he was, he was hurt around the Christmas time a little bit after, so I think now, if Wickham's not ready, it would be a great time to start him the next couple of matches, but what's going to happen is, you know, our system really does favour Wickham more than Gale, and you just mentioned about Wickham and Gale, I don't know if that works when you've got guys like Kabai and Punchin that can kind of play behind the striker a little bit more effectively, but um, chasing a game, like you guys said, makes more sense, but again, I don't, I don't ever see... The, the manager really going that aggressive and using two strikers and they I mean, did it with Wickham and Adderby obviously for a little bit and that didn't work out well but I don't know I just think that Gale is you know deserves a chance to, chance to start if, this week if Wickham's not available but if Wickham's available you've got to start Wickham Joe? Um, well, I think the, the thing about Gale is he, he's very much an on the shoulder striker he plays on the shoulder of the, of the last defender. Um, so the way that we play is, you know, 4-4-1-1 is perfect. And I think either, you know, I think when, when Wickham comes back, he isn't an out-and-out striker, although like people like to think that he is. He's more, as he showed, with his, with his assists when we smashed Newcastle. You know, he, he can very much play that role. And I think, I think uh, with, with Gale, he, he makes, he does make runs that aren't seen and and I think that the more that he plays the more that it, you know I, I genuinely do think that, that that he can be you know he goes to his left foot right foot he goes to the near post he is a good I just think he needs a run I really do think he needs a run I think when he you know if he has signed or he's going to sign this new contract I do think that you know next year next year I think he needs to be the man I think they just go look you know this is it's down to you and we give him as long as he doesn't get injured, we give him a sustained, you know, a sustained role. And, and, and really, yeah. I, I mean, it's going to be a hugely different team next year. No matter what, we're going to be a hugely different team. I can see six players missing from probably yeah. from today's line, uh, yesterday's lineup. So, but, it, it, you know, it's a, Gal's a bit of an enigma. And like I say, and going back to Pardew, I don't understand. I, I, I just, I don't get, even when he speaks, I just, most of the time, I just don't get what he means. <laughs> you know, the thing about things that, that the average football fan, we're not simpletons, but we just like things to be explained in layman's Simply, terms. Right. And it's just, he does riddles. I can't do riddles, you know. <laughs> Mind it's games. Just, it's annoying. It's, it's got to the point now, whereas as a fan base, we're backing, right? We, and we will back him. And that's the thing about Palace, we will back people. But 
Stop fucking with our heads. Just Ooh. tell us. Just, just, just stop speaking in riddles and just and just and say it that we can all understand it. And that way, people will go. I know exactly what he means. But half of the time, people go, "What? What?" And then he just you know the next thing is he's on drugs. He's this. Mm. You know, yeah, I know. I mean, I've, I've seen I've, that doctor. Yeah, I've never, I've never, never been one to put too much uh, emphasis on what what managers say after games. People get really wound up about it, but I just, I, you know, I mean. It, it is what it is. Up, is it? It just, it just when they speak, when he speaks in riddles, and people go, I don't, I don't understand what he means. I don't know. Say so it doesn't, doesn't really bother me that much, to be honest. It's when, it's when he says, it's so. when he makes comments in the program. Though it's things like, oh, if you know, given given the few injuries, we we could have been doing what Leicester are doing, and like you know, really belittling what they've what they've yeah. achieved. You sort of think, just shut up, just just. Leave it. You know, yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. There's a degree of um, you know he comes can come across as overconfident and arrogant at times, um, and he, you know he made a few comments earlier on in the season that have probably come back to haunt him a bit. You know, talked about Neil Warnock very dismissively, yep. and yet has got a you know 2016 has got a worse record by hit than him by quite <laughs> some distance. Worse. And yeah. it's like you just think you know don't set yourself up for a fall. I, I understand that part. Uh, go on, Joe, very quick. Yeah, just just very quickly, did, did when he was talking about Gail, did he turn around and say that there was some issues or he had some problems or something? But uh, but it's you know basically onwards and upwards with him. Or did, yeah. I, have, have I imagined this, or or did or did he half hint that there was something going on behind the scenes? No, very, very it was either early this. Well, there's injuries. No, it was, it was either it was either uh, late last season or early this season where he mentioned he'd had trouble integrating with the team. Uh, oh, okay. I knew, I knew. Yeah, yeah. it was our, our thinking that he was that he was ag, and it's taking him time to settle in or do this, that, and the other. Yeah, but I don't again. Like say, ag, ag. Yeah, no, he, like, he's, <laughs> he, he was very positive about his him after the game um, yesterday. So, like, you know, onwards and upwards, as they say. Uh, cut well, cut more points um, on on the game, really. Yes, please. <laughs> I thought you'd be excited. Um, <laughs> Got more points like it, like it. Um, so, I, I, obviously, we talked about the game. Finished two two. Had a couple of chances uh, towards the end, right at the death uh, from a corner punch and had a shot cleared again, almost off the line. Um, and Dan hit the um, hit the ball wide after. So could have won it in the end, but two two. It felt it felt like a um, like a positive thing. But if we get into some some questions. Um, we've had, we've had questioning from Nav. Earlier on, and it's a it's a general question about it's, it's a, along the topic we've been t- talking about really. Um, this is what do you guys think of Pardew's use of squad players when other players are not playing well? Thinking about uh, Spironi, Mariapa, Hanglin, and Kelly, he thinks those have been hard, hard done by. Does Pardew use the squad well? Um, yeah, I personally, I, I can see the argument, um, but I, I'm, I'm another one who, who likes a consistent team as well, though. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think you could do a lot of damage to to confidence when you when you chop and change it so much. But he's he's done that with a goalkeeper and never given Speroni a chance. So I don't know. I, I find it a difficult one to answer. What do you think, Patrick? I'm, I'm like you. You don't change a winning side, but we haven't won in 2016. So I think he needs to get a little bit more creative in what he does. Um, I think he missed an opportunity to to use some of the youth players, like obviously um, Kai Kai possibly and Boateng. 
But the thing was, it's a catch-22 kind of thing, Chris, because I think a lot of times we wanted to use players, like guys would come back who, from injuries. You know, I think Jedi was out and then came back. Obviously, MacArthur's a little more long-term. Punchum was out. It's, it's really weird. And then there was also a, an opportunity there to, to use, maybe use Gale, like I said, but Wickham was, was playing well. So he could definitely rotate more. But he, again, there's a loyalty issue. He's very loyal to certain players, so he's not big on rotating his team. But I really think, we, you know, I'm not sure about necessarily Hangerland, even though, you know, our centre-backs haven't been great as a, as a group entire year. But, yeah, during this whole, whatever, 13-14 match, uh, you know, un, unwinnable streak, as I'll call it, he could definitely have changed things, especially the goalkeeper. Mm, there you go. Strong words from Patrick. Joe, can he make better use of the squad? Uh, ask Albert. I'm, I'm busy reading, reading, reading for... <laughs> Come, come back to me one minute because I've because because the, the the chat room's just gone mad about um about a couple of things. All right, all right, Chief, no worries. Go on, Albert. What's the question? No, um, <laughs> uh, I think he could use the squad better. To be honest, I don't see why Mariapa purely purely on Spironi alone. I would say he doesn't use the squad um, to the best of its capabilities. Why why Julian Spironi hasn't had one game. In, in any in any competition, completely astounds me. I find it so so bemusing and disrespectful. Um, to you know, and then he gets another contract. It's so bizarre. The whole thing is so bizarre. Um, to a wider extent, I think yeah, you can argue that Mariapa should have been given a chance, whether it be at centre half, right back, left back, wherever, because. At some point, all of those positions could have been questioned um, with certain personnel. Uh, play younger, getting younger players involved again. I'm, a, I'm similar to you, Chris. I think it can be it can be a, a huge risk for a little payoff because if they, if it doesn't pay off and that kid doesn't play for you know the rest of the season, then that's you know you can do some serious damage to what could have been you know could have been a more gentle introduction. Get, you know, sending players on loan and. And giving them a chance when they're fully ready, maybe in, in pre-season. Um, so I, I'd certainly say he doesn't use it to it, um, its best extent. But um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't include the youngsters in that. All right, um, Joe, would you ready for some stuff from the chat room? Yeah, it's, it's, I'm just going to sort of sprout about right away through what we've been talking about for the last sort of 10 minutes. Right. Um, I'm not even going to just read out. But basically, people were saying that um, Egan and Flight said Adi Bayor is, uh, is a law unto himself. He doesn't partner anyone apart from Adi Bayor. Leave him, leave him out, put Gail in and Wickham goals for fun. Um, Bert said, said Pardew likes the sound of his own voice. Bang Average as a player and an even worse manager. Shamak Attack says... Uh, he's an egotistical maniac. Um, thank you very much. So the biggest question, um, should we poach Benitez as the fridge you posted on the message board bought up? Um, which is which is quite bizarre. But anyway, um, and then Eglin Fight said, Alan Pardew is the boss. If he makes a decision, I back him. All these mini-me Pardews out, out there are full of ideas, but thank goodness they're not the boss. Um, and then Shamak attacks says, no, bring in some of the youngsters um, if, if no one is performing. Um, and what happens to Chungi? Uh, and he also says, and Kai Kai and Williams and Egbo. And, um, so, so Egbo's know, not going to play for us when he plays for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Okay, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just reading, reading. But um, yeah, yeah. and then J Dog said, uh, Padre is the boss, so the buck stops with him, um, particularly as he wants to run things from top to bottom. So if he ain't cutting it, then he's in the. Sh- 
Uh, Egan and Forest. Yes. Aston Villa are an, uh, yeah, are, are an example of how not to use a squad system. So, you know, it's, it, you go, it's some... a complete cross-section of, of what we've been saying. Um, and then Shamat said, yeah, sorry, Egbo left. My bad. <laughs> That's all right. I'd give you a chance. He might not have... Uh... But, yeah, so, so there's a, a, you know, where everyone was on, you know, you, like I say, you only need that little bit of, of, of bad form, which is what we've been going through. And, you know, in three months, that's all it's been in, in, in three months. And he has probably halved his popularity, if not more, um, pardon and, and And players that were out, um, you know, are, are, are suddenly people know what they get. Know, you know, they know what they get from, from last season with certain other players. But, listen, we don't, it's, it's a, like I say, we're all potential managers, aren't we? Especially me. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm yeah. A <laughs> yeah. No, I am. Um, I, I, you know, I've got, I've got some a lot of criticism for for Pardew for for some of the things that have happened in this run. Um, you know, I think it's perfectly valid to to look at some of the aspects of team selection, to look at um, how how rare it is for us to put in a decent full ninety minutes, um, constantly having to react to to other teams to try and get back into games. Uh, that's been a, a factor in this run, but at the same time, we have had some bad luck. We have had a lot of injuries to deal with, and we're still, we're still, you know, we're we're not as strong a squad as perhaps we thought we were. You know, when we were when we had our, you know, everyone fit at the start of the season, and we were flying. We were looking at the players on the bench and thinking, God, you know, even if we get a couple of injuries here, we've got, got all this talent to come into the team and all that kind of stuff, and it it hasn't actually panned out like we thought it would when, when those players were called into action. So. I think there are things you can certainly criticise Pardew about. The keeper situation, definitely, you know, the, the situation with the full-backs. Um, you know, he talks about being very happy with his back four ahead of the West Ham game, which was, you know, interesting. We'd had, we'd had slightly better couple of games, I suppose, but I think over the course of the last four, we conceded eight goals or something like that. Um, so, you know, how can he be particularly happy with that? I'm not so sure. So there are things to criticise him about, but, you know, at the same time, I think he's... You know he's still one of our most successful managers, um, and you don't become a bad manager overnight. You know, it's it's a fourteen game run without a win. Three that, months though, and that and that, yeah, that needs really does need properly highlighting. Uh, okay, again, you got to, got to acknowledge the fact we've won in the cup, but without a league win for that long, that's that's not a blip. You know, that's much more than a blip, and managers have been sacked for a lot worse than that. So, sorry, yeah, for a lot better than that. So it's it's. I understand the point, but I'm not one of those people who's going to sit here and, and proclaim that the manager's a load of rubbish and, and bang average and all this kind of stuff. I, I don't. I'm not on board that particular train, at least not yet. But you know, you have to you have to allow yourself to change your opinion based on the things that you see, don't you? That's how it works. You're, you're checking ticket prices, though. For that, I time. certainly am checking the ticket yeah. prices at the moment, and um, you know, if it carries on much longer, and we again, you, you look look to the summer and you look to the things that we have to do that's where he's really really going to have to step up uh, assuming we don't go down and he loses his job which has got to be a possibility i guess um hmm a couple of things more on 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 the game uh, excuse me as i'm scrolling that's not so good when i do this is it um i've made a couple of, of notes here we've talked about the keeper we've talked about gail uh, talked about soiree mentioned that balassi was better when actually playing on the wing uh, and, and looked a lot you know looks excellent really uh talked a little bit about sacco but i thought overall overall he was i've got to say i thought he was quite poor 
Um, but hopefully, if he gets a few more games under his belt, he'll have more of an impact. But you go back to the player that he, he was when he joined, you know, scored a couple of crucial goals, looks a real threat. He's not really got back to that after this injury. Uh, but let's talk about Jason Punch One. Who? Um, Jason Punch, and I'm not sure why I present. Uh, why I've said his name like that, it just happens. Sorry, Mike has just put a photo up in our chat that's really distracted me. So, um, yeah, me too. What is yeah, don't let's not discuss it. <laughs> no, mate. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Jason Punchin, a lot of, in fact, our uh, man of the match vote, um, went for him. We'll talk about that in a moment. But, um, how do you play, Patrick? We played very well. Um, I think we've missed him again. I know people want to, uh, base how Punchin plays on statistics and he's not scored goals and assists. Well, assists haven't been that bad, but he hasn't scored goals. But I, I'll, I remember I told you, I went to the, uh, when I went to, when I was over there, I went to the Chelsea match and the first time I kept saying, do something Punchin. It's like, it just sticks in my head. And I thought yesterday he played really, really well. I just thought, I, the things that he, I like about him, he seems to be more of a leader on the field. I don't know if you guys saw, I put on a tweet out yesterday about how after uh, like we, we had lost a throw and he was yelling for the defender for the push up and he was screaming come on you know what I mean he just seems to bring something to the team that we've been missing and I thought also he keeps control of the ball he's very calm on the ball yesterday I think we needed that in the second half especially you know when, when Gale was on the field we needed someone to kind of uh, you know be a midfield general I still question whether he and Kabai can function together because I think he looked more freer and better yesterday because Kabai wasn't there he had to have a good game with Kabai but I thought yesterday he played really really well uh, Albert, Punchin's performance. Yeah, I thought it was all right. You know, the 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 miss that we touched on earlier. Um, you know, I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt. I put that down to rustiness, but it's also it's also not the sort of chance that I can recall seeing Jason Punchin put away. To be honest, he's not um, sort of you know get on the end of a cross, fox in the box. He's more of a you know carve out a chance from maybe you know 16, 18 yards. So, um, but he's. All round, all round play. I thought was good. And again, you know, I've said it before. Any any player coming back from injury that's going to put someone else under pressure and you know, or or give it just a lift around the team or freshen the thing up, it's um, it can only be a good thing. And you know, he really does you know owe us some performances um, for the season. So let's hope he, he's coming into the right time and has a blinder against Norwich and you know FA Cup final. Mm. Sorry, it's a weird noise at the end of you saying that. It sounds like we're FA Cup final. Yeah, because I said FA Cup final. Because oh, okay. Don't jinx we're not there anymore. yet. You're the no. Jinx. I'm no. the jinx, exactly. When I was there, I'm the jinx. Um, Jill, Jason Punchin. Um, one thing, no, I've, I've got to say my bit after you. Go on, how do you do? <laughs> well, so you think I'm going to cane him? I thought he no, played well. No, not at all. That's so what time. I said. And, and any time he plays well, I always turn around and say he plays well. I thought he played really well. I thought I'd say he don't... You know, there was there was people putting on Twitter that he was excellent. I said, no, he, he, you know, <laughs> ex- excellent would have been if he'd have stuck a six-yarder in. But listen, you know, someone else is almost deliberate handball, put him off. It, put, you know, we can all make excuses, but he missed some six yards out. But that's, it was one of them ones, to be honest with you, where it's 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 on his knee. That's the thing. No matter what, whether it did put him off, it was on his knee. He couldn't have had a knee. He couldn't have volleyed it. So it's just, it, it was just, I can't think who it was. Was it Sacco that, that was actually right behind him? That was probably more positioned to strike that. But anyway, that's, it's irrelevant. I thought he played all right. I thought he, I thought he was, and, and like Patrick said, I, I, I like that passion where he was screaming at people and, 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 yeah. and, and trying to get the team up for it and, yep. and, and ask him for it. Right. And, that, and, and the thing is, you're saying that, though, Patrick, 
but he's not done that this whole season. What he has done is he's thrown his arms up in the air in frustration or he's thrown his arms up in the air in sulking and people have noticed that. But, Fair they, enough. but what they did notice yesterday was his right. passion and that's the thing and that's what people want. And like I said to you, you don't have to be the best player in the world to play for Palace. But right. if you show endeavour and you show passion, then it'll go a long way. And he did himself a big favour yesterday, and as well. And I thought he played all right. He played, you know, he played well, and that, and that bodes well for us because you know when we've going on this bad run and we said, oh, don't worry, it'll be right when Yannick comes back. Yannick come back, still not all right. You know, and then people were saying, oh, you know, when when Wickham comes back, or you know, when, when Wickham comes back the first time, and it, you know, it wasn't. It, it, it got all right, but it, it can't be down to Wickham to be the saviour, you know? It's, yeah. um, that's what people are, are, are turning around and saying again. You know, now when Punchin come back, there's loads of pressure on him. And now because he scored like four goals in three games or whatever, it's all down to Wickham if he's still not broken by the end of the season and does get to play for us again. Uh, he'll be all right when Shamak comes back. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not happening, is it? So no, he's but, he's, not but, but, but getting on to but, but getting on to punch. I was, you know, but like I said, it's completely not. A player watch loads of people, um, so it's not you know. And punch ain't been about. So I've seen, I've, you know, seen other players, and it's. Uh, I thought he played. I thought he played well, and he was, and he definitely was an add to the side instead of just being a sub to come on and try and change. He definitely added a bit of calmness and a bit more quality to the midfield. Yeah, like you, like you say, Joe, the really pleasing thing was um, was how talkative and how passionate he was in that game. It's not something you'd always say punch and does. You, you can, you know, quite often you'll see him complain about something. And, you know, and that and that comes from a good place, in my view. That comes from wanting to win and wanting, you know, wanting the team to do well. But he was... He was Organising other players, he was getting in other people's faces, which was really nice to see. You know, he's obviously he's come back into the side after a layoff. And I think, you know, looking at the performance yesterday, I think that's done done him good. It's given him a chance to to think about, you know, how the team's going and what his part's going to be when he gets back in it. Um, it just seemed to be slightly a slightly different Jason Punchin and a better Jason Punchin that, that, that was on the pitch. Um, and what I what I really liked was just how hard he worked um, getting back. You know, he doesn't put in a huge number of tackles. It's, it's not, but what he does do is chase and close down a lot of space. And it's it's not it's not always something people notice because people want to see the you know midfielders put in a tackle him. Yeah, the, the other the other thing about Punch is is that I, I saw an interview with Pardew quite a long time ago, and he said that Punching come to him and said, "What am I doing wrong?" And, you know, he actually went to the manager and asked for some help. And the thing is, by being out, I'm, this is what this is the way that I would, if it were, if if I was punching and, and and I knew I had something wrong, where I was having to go to the manager, and if the manager wasn't, then where he's had this injury, I'm, I'm hoping that he's, or it, it might have even been that he's gone and seen a psychologist, or you know, or seen the right people while he's out having a break and try and sort his mind out. You know, maybe the you know, that position was all his or, you know, a certain part of the field was all his and now Kabai's come in, it, it's upset the apple cart as such. You know, if he's if he's managed to try and sort himself out personally, then it will make him a better person and it will make him a better player and it will give him more experience to add. And that's what we need because we are, you know, we if it looks like we're going to be blooding some kids sometime soon, we're still going to need, people, you know, players of his experience. Definitely. Now, I look at the team, team we put out yesterday and there's not too much... That I would want to see different for, for for it to be our best eleven. Um, in my view, I'd like to. 
I'd like to see, um, obviously, Kabai and MacArthur as the two central midfielders and place Jednak and Ledley. But punching ahead of them appeals to me. Um, I'd like it to be Balassi and Zaha on the wings, and I'd like it to be Wickham up front. And then that, that for me, is probably our best eleven. You can argue about the keeper and the full-backs, but certainly in an attacking sense, um, you know, punching being back for me is, is a big positive if he can, can apply himself like that every week. Um, I'm sure he'd be the first to admit it's not been his best season for us, but... Um, it, it's a crucial time right now, and if he can, you know, if he can, if he can step up to the plate now, kind of, it's almost all is forgiven. Just you know, get us over the line now, and um, there you go. Uh, I'll leave it there. Let's say um, the, the vote on Twitter for man of the match went to Jason Punch and just um, for, from from the listeners. Uh, just a quick rock once round, everybody. Patrick, who was your man of the match? Yeah, I'll take Punching. Albert, uh, get a knack. Really? Okay. Um, well. He did do well, yeah, yeah. Joe? Um, yeah, I was Jedinak as well. I voted. I think he was uh, 29 or 30% against 38, wasn't he? 30, yes, 38 he was good. Yeah. I thought he had his best, put it this way, I thought, I thought Jedinak had his best game for us for a very long time. Did, every, did everything that... He, know, did, he does. Yeah, yeah exactly. He did very well. <laughs> yeah. Does well, he did well, yeah. I'll say the other thing is where we missed was his left foot spin round right foot that he had in the penalty <laughs> area. And the, yeah. That was two screamers there. You know, <laughs> one there the, other, the goalkeeper saved on the line, which was... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there did. you go. All right, great stuff. All right, we'll have a quick break and when we come uh, with the four-word reviews and when we come back, we'll be talking ultimate 25-man squad. <laughs> Got something you'd like to get off your chest? Tweet us now at Whole Radio. Tom Flaherty, South London Bubble Bursters. Ben Timover. <laughs> Gailey makes hammers pay, eh? Oh. Ed Kellaway, next week, now huge. Darren Goodwin, gritty performance. Good point. Is a good point. Ben Fleury, let's be having ya. James Sorby. <laughs> That's definitely not a real one, is it? Either, is it? I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gail, not good enough. Really? Really? Oh dear. Nick Wilson, I love Mark Landberg. Simon Barker, play Gail next week. John Ratcliffe, that will do nicely. Ben Hilton, seven more points, please. Bill Withers, a big bloody relief. Bill Withers? <laughs> you seen Lovely Day. <laughs> Darren Broadfoot, dodge the hammer blow. Christine Davies, play Dwight Gale always. Uh, Lawrence Hill. Yeah, Lawrence Hill. Clattenburg is a god? No, he's, he's obviously dyslexic. He's a dog. Lawrence. Ashley Ghent. Sorry, Ashley Ghent, two strikers up front. Danny Perry, I lost my potato. What? <laughs> well, it happens. Review the game next week by tweeting hashtag forward review to add whole radio. The all-time Palace 25-man squad. Tweet us your suggestions and we'll choose in or bin. I'm getting a bit of grief from my uh, sudden change of direction in a sentence there. Come on, guys. That was you know? fun. All right. <laughs> And now, forward jingle coming up. Bye! (laughs) 
to be honest with you, I felt a sneeze coming on, and I was wondering whether or not I was going to get the words out before I sneezed. So that's that's all it was. You know, something a bit, you know, I can't get away with anything these days. It's why people listen, don't worry. Of course, of course. Anyway, Ultimate 25-man squad time. Um, it's the, the votes from the listeners, it was a tie for, uh, for whether we're going to be talking about Julian Speroni or John Burridge for the final goalkeeping position. Uh, so obviously we're going to debate both of those, the merits of each. Um, I'll start us off. Uh, Julian Speroni, um, obviously, you almost it's almost it's almost too much to say on on Julian. Um, going back to him, joining him from from Dundee was obviously um, the, the the most memorable thing was him making Kevin Campbell look like a footballer um, and, and making that error. And sporting uh, a ponytail, wasn't it? Sporting doing so. a ponytail, well, yeah, exactly right. So um, his career started in a very, very odd way for someone who is now undoubtedly a club legend. Um, uh, but the performances once he displaced Gabor Karali um, and his amazing tracksuit bombs, the performances since then, he just got better and better and better. And, you know, is, is it four Player of the Year awards? I think he has. It's, it's almost un, it's unprecedented. The, the impact he's had on the club, the fact that not only is he a, as a legend for Palace, he's a legend at Dundee as well. Um, he's had plenty of opportunities to leave Palace and, and, and not done so. Um, stick, stuck with us for um, through thick and thin, and, um, and there's been an awful lot of thin in that. Um, but as a shot stopper, he, he's, he's perhaps the best. You know, Martin was an, was an all-round better goalkeeper in my view by quite some distance a lot of people who talk about John Jackson who I never saw about being an amazing goalkeeper but in my time I would say the reaction to, uh, in terms of shot stopping I've not seen seen anyone certainly not seen anyone better than Sproni maybe a couple who are his equal but absolutely unbelievable you know not not the tallest of goalkeepers that's always been a criticism of him um, when he has been criticised you know does he is he commanding enough in his penalty area and all that kind of stuff that's where the debate goes as to whether he's a truly great goalkeeper, but absolutely, absolute legend for me. Uh, and Burridge isn't someone I saw play for Palace, but he is someone I, I've seen play and, and seen play live. You know, played very late into his uh, into his life. I think he retired. I think we were looking earlier about forty-seven when he retired. Um, a, a keeper with a great reputation in the game, a huge number of clubs, and. and you know, but again, I have to lean on the sort of older generation of Palace fans in the lineup today to talk about whether or not he would be uh, voting on that one. But that's some general thoughts from me on both. Uh, Patrick? I'll start with Burridge. Um, lucky enough, um, I was a teenager, uh, 78, 79, when uh, he was a Palace keeper. A little eccentric. I mean, uh, uh, Joe would remember, he just did his little handstand routine as part of his warm-up. It's very unconventional. But just someone who actually trains goalies now, which is what I do a little bit now as a, a youth trainer. It's kind of funny. We never teach a kid to walk on his hands before he play keeper. He, you know, do chin ups and pull himself up to the crossbar. But eccentric as he was, he was part of that great, um, you know, that team of the eighties. Well, <laughs> that got promoted with Cannon and Sansom and Hinchwood, all those guys, and Hilaire, etc. And he was, a, he was, a, he was a good goalie. So I mean, obviously, seventy nine, he was a goalie that you know during the, the Burnley match, etc. So. Did a lot of good things. The only thing I find interesting, he had he wasn't he was only here three seasons. I guess Fenwick I think bought him in seventy seven, so he was there for I think seventy eight, seventy nine, eighty seasons, maybe three years. Um, again, good goalie. I can't compare him to Julian though, because Julian's made to me. Julian's a legend. 
um, you know, all the things that Julian's done for us. And, and I'll never forget, I, you know, I was over for the, uh, for the playoff final. The saves he made against Deeney. I mean, obviously Brighton first, but unbelievable. I mean, they always, always stick out my mind. Uh, so the, what Junior's done for us, again, you say club legend, Chris, it's a great way to describe. I would say that Budgie was more of a cult hero when I yeah. compared it to, and I would say that Junior's more of a, of a legend. So again, b- both great keepers. And Junior, actually great times to you know, be a Palace fan. You mentioned in those two, the, sa- the saves, not you say, Deeney, the saves. Oh, I mean, unbelievable. That way. But oh. when you when you actually go back and watch the, um, the save from Ashley Barnes oh my uh, God. In, in the playoff <laughs> semi-final, that because I've said so this before terrible. on this show, but that um, it sums him up, doesn't it? Really, you, you look at it and you think the ball's hit him when you first yeah. see it. You think the ball's hit him and we've got lucky there, <laughs> right. but he actually moves his hand up. In, yes. and the, the speed of that—that's and that's what I talk about his shot stopping. The right. speed of getting his hand to that position to get a fingertip to knock it onto the bar right. it is one of the most phenomenal saves I've ever seen, and I'll, honestly, get on YouTube and watch it because it is. If, you, if, you, if you're not as excited about it as, as I am thinking about it, it was Chris, phenomenal. Without that save, we don't win that match. If they score that oh, goal, God, goal there, there's yeah. no way we're going to win that game. So exactly. it's so, so huge, so huge. It's as it's you know, it's as big a moment in that game as as the goals. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's oh, it's, oh, it really it's, is. it's sensational, sensational yeah. goalkeeping. Yeah. All right, we're getting a little too excited about that. Let's bring things down. <laughs> a bit. Uh, who brings us down better than Joe Joe Holyoke? Joking, joking, Joe. Sorry, mate. I was um, just going to blank you then and just let you carry on. <laughs> um, you, you've pretty much said, uh, you've stolen my thing, what I was going to say about Jules. That save from Barnes is is a worldie all day long. And the thing is, that that save is is a, a £70 million or £80 million pound save. It's purely as that, because yep. had that gone in, yep. like, like you say, Patrick, we, we would have lost that game. And that is just... Just a, a, an amazing, absolutely amazing. We've I, I see him, I see him do. Jules do loads and loads of saves. I mean, I can go back to when I first started going to Palace and and Burridge was in goal and and I just I just thought it was weird because when I was younger, I, I never liked anything but football, football and cricket. I, I never liked anything else. It was just was never interested in anything else and just tried to watch as much football as I could. And the minute that I could go to to actually watch Palace with you know some of my mates, because obviously when I was a you know when I was younger, I was uh, as everyone knows or they will know now, is that I was a huge you know I was a Liverpool fan. The, the, the first game of football I watched was 1974. I think whoever wins that, I'm I'm going to support. So I could have been a Newcastle fan. Newcastle, yeah, would have been a nightmare. <laughs> so anyway, so I follow Liverpool, but and then the boys at school said, you know, come come to Palace, you know, we, and. So I started going to Palace, and of course I've got this goalkeeper that comes out before the game, you know, comes out walking on his hands, and you think, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't even a case of, if you saw him nowadays, you'd go, he's, he's visiting the, the doctor in London, he's obviously on drugs. But, <laughs> it, you know, he just used to come out on his hands, and I was like, what is, you know, it, it's amazing. And he was a good, you know, he was a, he was a I, I, I'm trying to think, See, see, the thing is, I, I don't remember loads and loads of of um, of, of his saves. That's the thing, because it's obviously so bloody long ago for me. But <laughs> I just remember him being a huge presence and and someone that people looked up to. And 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 the thing is, he, he still he still demands a certain amount of respect, or gets a certain amount of respect from Palace fans even today, even though it's so long it's so long yeah. ago, you know, thirty years ago, and it's um. 
apart from today, obviously, when I had a little bit of a chat with him on on, uh, <laughs> on Twitter, you know, and and he and he made himself look silly. But anyway, it's it's by the by, I blame it on his real old age. Did he write uh, the tweet whilst standing on his hands? Yeah, that was probably it. Yeah, <laughs> but but no, I mean, it, it's we we have had some good goalkeepers. The only thing I will say, Chris, is that I, 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 Jules, for me, you know, we're going goalkeepers. Nigel Martin's the best goalkeeper I've ever seen. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, so, um, but if, if we need to choose between the two of them, you know, there is only, there's only one winner for me. Um, because he, like you said, and you, and you hit the nail on the head. You know, one was a very good player for us and obviously a crowd favourite and that one's a legend. Yeah. There you go. Albert, much to add? All I'll say is this, Julian Sproni is everything that I like about our football club <laughs> and he is the opposite of everything that's wrong with football as a whole. Brilliant. That's, I, like I, I haven't seen, I, I can't comment on Burridge at all, like many of the players that have come up in these sort of discussions, um, but Spir- I, would, I think I'd take a bullet for Sproni. Oh wow! That so is he's, he's dive in front of it first because he's that good. <laughs> <laughs> so you would be able to tip it over the bar in the last minute. <laughs> over the bar, and then he'd try and roll it out to someone else, and he'd fuck that up. But we, we... <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. So I think that's an in for Speroni from Albert. Um, yourself as well, Patrick. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and same for you, Joe, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely an in for me as well. And the uh, listeners went 90% uh, to 10% in favour of Julian Speroni as well. So, uh, you know, obviously great for, for Burridge to be mentioned. And I'm no shame in missing out uh, to club legend Julian Speroni, who takes what is the final goalkeeping spot in the ultimate 25-man squad. Uh, and that will leave us with the keepers being Nigel Martin, John Jackson and Julian Speroni. Defenders Scott Dan, Eric Young, Jim Cannon, Nathaniel Klein, Kenny Sanson, Dean Gordon, Danny Butterfield. It's a lot of um, regret over that on my part for voting him in yeah. uh, <laughs> last week. Gutted. I, gutted I did that. I really, really... In- no disrespect to you, Danny Butterfield, but I massively regret that decision. Uh, midfield, Wilf Zaha, Peter Taylor, Don Rogers, John Salako, Jeff Thomas, Andy Gray, Akiri Halati and Attilio Lombardo. Forwards, Ian Wright. Andy Johnson, Mark Bright and Dougie Friedman as it stands. Sitting in the, I don't want to call it the bin, sitting in the reserves of the best 25-man squad are Michael Hughes, Simon Roger, Ashley Cole, John Pemberton, Sean Derry and John Humphrey. You should really be in instead of that Daddy Butterfield. Um, <clears throat> and John Burridge now, no? And John Burridge, of course, sitting in there as well now. Next week, we go for the final defender. So uh, that's going to be a centre-back, I believe. Um, there's another midfielder to go and another striker to go. And there's also a wild card available. Plus, we'll also be voting on the manager before the end of the season as well. The all-time Palace 25-man squad. Tweet us your suggestions and we'll choose in or bin. Just the smoke alarm's going off and the needs to open the conservatory door. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's fine. Hey. Okay, I hope you enjoyed the show. That was uh, was wonderful, wasn't it, everybody? And um, so we're just going to take a, a moment to talk about a few things. Um, uh, you know, now we've got this this chance to do a bit of a additional content for you. And I, I need to start with you, Albert. You've um, you've recently discovered something quite traumatic, haven't you? Yeah. Well, I've. 
I've, I live in in Hertfordshire, so you know I'm not I'm certainly not anywhere near Palace territory. Um, and I, I was doing the gardening yesterday, um, and there's there's a little lad next door who who can't be any older than I think he, I think he's about five, and he was he was standing on his trampoline, which meant he could see me over the um, he could see me over the fence, and he started talking to me. I said, "Oh, you're right, it's all right." He said his opening gambit was, um, "Are you older than me?" Um, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm older than you. And he said, um, does that mean you'll die before me? Oh, God. <laughs> I said, probably. You know, I didn't want to didn't want to give him, you know. No, I didn't, didn't want to say definitely, because, you know, <laughs> anything can happen. He was, yeah. The trampoline didn't look too solid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I, said, I, said, I said, probably. Um, mm. And he said to me... Um, but that, you know, it'll take ages, won't it? I was again. I was. I hope. I hope, you know, I hope so. He said, um, "Yeah, because when my nan got sick, she died straight away." <laughs> really, really matter of fact. Oh. And, then, and then, and then we got talking to his mum, and he said, oh, "I think I've kicked a football down the end of your garden." So we came round. I've got a goal in my um, in my garden. We started playing, just playing a bit of football whilst my wife was talking to his mum, and. Um, I said to him, I would remind me you support again because you know I've had little chats with his dad. I said, remind me you support again, and he went Millwall. Ugh. Paused. I went Millwall. We went yeah. I said, did all your family support Millwall? He went yeah, we're all Millwall. And I said, he said, who do you support? And I was well, I said, oh, I support Palace. And he sort of looked at me and he went, we're not meant to get on, are we? I'm <laughs> <laughs> a five-year-old. <laughs> Presumably, you put in a two-footed challenge. Yeah, I, was, I was just about to say I that. I didn't even send him on his way. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> he got a oh. Yeah, middle of, middle of Hertfordshire, next to a, a house of Millwall. Um, Imagine that. I know. I don't have to. Yeah, and they're obviously lottery winners or something, aren't they? <laughs> oh, <holy laughs> <shit>. oh, that's <laughs> awful. <laughs> we'll leave oh. it there. Yeah, we will. So anyway, Joe, what are you doing having boiled potatoes, for Christ's sake? Sorry for my blasphemy. Tarsos. Um, yeah, no. I, I, uh, what, for my dinner tonight? It's a waste of a potato, isn't it? Boiled potato. You could, they <sighs> could, a potato can be chips and it could be roast. Mashed. So from no, wild. Sauteed. Sauteed, I'll accept. But, I mean, come on. Boiled. Kind of a man, are you? Well, they're, yeah, but they're, they're mini potatoes and uh, of, of sorted sizes from two inch down to smaller. Um, just uh, and they're soaked in a in a garlic, oh, a garlic oil with herbs and. This isn't justification. Come on, it, it, it is when you just whack it, <laughs> pierce the film, whack it in a microwave for five minutes, nuke them, and then they come out soft. It's uh, yeah. Oh, I just have you ever heard anyone call a one a potato? But I don't know. What do you call them, Patrick? No potatoes, mate. Even American <laughs> potato, potato mate. What, potato. Very potato. solid. <laughs> Potato. So why do you call it tomato? Tomato. Well, that's where that's where I feel. <laughs> I feel my um, I feel our argument as um as English people is kind of kind of falls foul a bit because surely we do say tomato, so surely we should say potato. But no one calls it a potato. It's ridiculous. Silence. Brilliant. This, I'm just dumbfounded. I've never thought of that before. I'm stunned right now. I'm just thinking. What can you? I mean, I can't defend it. it. It's logical. It's very logical. But English language is very illogical when you think about it. So it doesn't. It's a terrible language. 
It's yeah, it's not. It's, it doesn't conform. It, it's supposed to, but it's really confusing. Especially if you're non-English, which I'm not, and you're trying to learn it. You know, it doesn't really follow anything. Where you think, oh, okay, that makes sense. Whereas like French and Spanish, Italian, a lot more conformed than the great English languages. But anyway. Yeah, but Patrick, look, I mean, no offense to you or any of our, our, our myriad of Americans. No offense. But I don't want to live in a world where America makes logical sense. Oh, me either, mate. Me either, <laughs> you should come and live in my world, mate. Nothing makes sense. I just had a text from Lisa in the front room saying, can I have a little bit of your ice cream, please? I'm in the kitchen. I'm in the kitchen. She's in the... You know what I mean? So lazy. Unless that's a euphemism and and she's washed me. Hang on, I'm going to go and check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, don't waste that opportunity. (laughs) Not at my age. (laughs) Well, it is stone cold. Anyway, um, so let's actually talk a little bit of football before we we wrap this thing up. Um, So, the story in, in the mirror... Uh, written by John Cross, who's got a, a patchy um, sort of a, a past in terms of the stuff he writes about Palace. Generally, it's, a, it's of a negative bent, and generally um, there's very few, well, if any, quotes and all that kind of stuff. But Arsenal fan, by the way. Yeah, but, you know, we, it's easy to dismiss negative stories and assume the positive ones are correct. And The, the general consensus of the article is that... Um, you know, some of the players in the squad are are fed up because they don't feel that um, those earning the big bucks, you know, Kabai and Adebayor in particular, are are earning, you know, earning their crust or, or worthy of the sort of eighty to a hundred grand a week that they're earning. Um, the suggestion that Kabai is on eighty grand a week, and obviously we're paying seventy grand towards Adebayor's hundred grand a week contract. So that, you know. I'm not gonna gonna rubbish that as a story because we we've we've heard before. In fact, I'm pretty sure when we we talked to Pat, uh, Steve Parrish before about player wages, and he and he did say to us, it's, to be honest, the, the thing about player wages isn't about how much they earn; it's about how much they earn in relation to how much everyone else is earning. Is their is their main sort of concern when looking at contracts? So. You know, there certainly could be a degree of truth to this, and, and I don't think it's probably enough to say that there's a dr- there's a dressing room rift over it. And you're thinking about this time of year coming in towards the end of the season. Um, you're really thinking that that this is a lot to do with agents sort of posturing for either moves from Palace or or or, in, or, or better contract. So um, I've got I've you know I've got my own views on it, but let's, let's bring you in on it, Joe. Right. He, it might just be me imagining it, but I'm sure we had a chat with someone uh, with someone in the club, or or we were quoted for someone in the club. But apparently, I think it was Punching that was unhappy with how much money Kabai was getting, and I think Pardew may have said, you know, when you're as good as him, you'll get the same money as him. Was have I imagined that or did that? No, did he, that, he said that in a press conference. Much, much the same as much the same as those words. So, right. but and that and that's the thing. That's the, That's the other. You know, the thing is when you get big players come into our little club, um, where the where the money has been sort of probably terrible for some of them. Compared, you know, considering the time we've been playing in the, in the Premier League, um, it, it, it might take a little bit of. You know, especially when you see their if their form dips, like some you know where Kabai's form dipped or whatever. You know, I'm 
but it would make sense, and we have been saying for you know for for you know especially us, we've been saying for a while that we think it's something in the changing room. I, I you know, I've 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 said it. I it, so, and it could be something because you know it's quite a serious thing, really. If you know if the if the team that that is suffering because people are earning that amount of money, then then we're really in the mire because that, that that that's not something that can get sorted out immediately unless it's done via a handshake and a and a verbal promise from the from the chairman. You know, it, it's a something's definitely gone on. It would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, whether it affects whether it affects the you know the team, whether it affects the squad harmony, I, I'm not so sure. I, I guess it could. Go on, Patrick. What do you think? Well, a couple of things. The the first line of the article says, while there is no resentment towards Alan Pardew, the likes of Dwight Gale and Yannick Balassi are fed up that some teams are on bigger contracts. Well, why would you be mad at the man who actually gave them the contracts, for one? Because obviously, um, Kawhi's not coming in unless Pardew says, you know, I want him, plus we've got to pay him what he want. And same for Adebayo. So that kind of bothers me. The second thing is, Dwight Gale is allegedly was supposed to be up for a contract, you know, um, a new contract. I heard that. I remember it was actually, we thought we had, he had agreed to it when the, on the... Uh, Transfer deadline day because apparently he wasn't going to uh, whether Bristol City or whether Norwich because he, he agreed a new contract. That never came through. And then Yannick, I'm pretty sure next signed a new contract last year. So the timing seems a little off. And I understand we've got a lot of issues, you know, with the team. But to me, to bring out this article now without the quotes, Chris, I just, I don't, I'm not buying it. And again, if they're mad at the players, they're going to be mad at the manager too, by the way, because why would you not be mad at him? So even that part of the article, I don't really agree with. So again, I understand players want to, you know, want better contracts. You got to perform. That was Dwight Gill's first goal since 2000, since January of last year. He's not getting a bigger contract. And Yannick's been great, but he's been injured most of the season. So, I mean, I don't know. It just doesn't sound, it doesn't sound right to me. It really doesn't. You can, make, you can offer incentives. You're 50 grand a goal or something. No, no, I, I get that. But I'm just... <laughs> yeah, well, oh, yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm right. not trying to say... I'm, saying I'm just saying that it's weird that a player who hasn't scored or played yeah, no, hardly... No, I agree. ...is just complaining about someone. If it was maybe, um, I don't know, MacArthur, you know, Scott Dan... Wayne Hennessy, I mean, I, you know, he's, in, he's got a great chance to get a new contract based on how much Pardew loves him. But I don't understand the part about those two. But again, <laughs> it really does. I'm being serious. I mean, will he ever get a bigger chance to renegotiate really his contract? Going to Wales for the Euros, you know, he can't get, he's undroppable. You know, hey, hey, uh, you're not going to drop me. Can I have a new contract? He's undroppable, <laughs> but he does drop a ball. Yeah. Hey. That's what Albert's here for. Um, Albert, you got any views on this before I try uh, and wrap this up? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it's true. It's there's not a lot anyone can do about it. I think in Kabai's case, I I don't think you can have a problem with him because he is you know he's an exceptional player. I could certainly see people's grievances potentially with Adebay or certainly because even before he came anywhere near our club, he was purported as a bit of a troublemaker in the in the dressing room or you know a divisive figure and. That's that attitude's only going to be amplified if he's earning three, four times what someone else might be earning. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's true. But end of the day, no, no one's getting paid a, a paltry amount, and they should be playing for the badge and the fans that turn up and pay those wages. But, yeah. but they're not playing for the badge anymore, are they? That's the thing. Now we we need to understand that that the the, the players are playing for money. 
So the only the only other thing I was I, I, I would do was turn around and and, and make it incentive based. You score yeah, those goals, you get you know there always has been that incentive. You know, yeah. Rooney gets his three hundred, and then with you know every goal he gets another thirty grand or whatever he, he, ridiculous money there. But if you you know if you turn around and said we give you thirty grand a goal, and he scores. 25 goals nobody is going to you know if he scores 25 goals we're doing really well you know like Harry, Harry Kane I think he scored his 22nd Premier League goals um, this weekend and, 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 and the other the other thing as well is you know they're sitting they're sitting seconds so you, you can understand if, if someone scores 20 goals for you then they're worth every part of that just like you know if they score yeah. 20 goals and it's 30 600 you know whatever it is it's, it's worth every single penny so People, people, some, you know, when it, if if there is any an element of truth to this, then you know, go, and again, like you said, Patrick in the show, the main show, that you know, he has been injured, but if he comes back and he scores loads of goals, it's you know, it's, it, it 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 helps out all round. It helps his yeah. pay packet and it helps us exactly. You know, yeah. and, the, and the thing is, the longer we are in the Premier League, the more money they're all going to earn. Well, that's yeah. exactly the point I, I was just coming to. Really, this is why I think that I don't necessarily think there's a rift, but I do think that there's probably. Um, you know, a degree of unrest with individuals, and, that, and that's why I think there is probably an element of truth. It's, it's that we've now been in the, in the in the Premier League long enough for some of the players for there to be a, a distance between some, you know, what some players are earning and some players aren't, kind of thing. You know, we, we're still. I hate to keep using the word transition, but we are we are trying certainly to transition into a an established Premier League club. Um, you could argue that just by being there for a period of time, you, you just become that. But you don't. Things do have to change. And whilst people will get like yearly wage rises until literally every single player has renegotiated a contract, um, you know, you're not really going to get the kind of parity and, and ability-based kind of kind of deals that you, that you'd, you'd perhaps like. But you know, and, and at the same time, the, the club have still got to not be stupid with it as well. You know, there are certain players who are being paid very, very good money and perhaps don't don't deserve it. Not just the, the highest earners. You know, some of the some of the fringe players are on exceptional money, probably more than money that are, <clears throat> more money than some of the players that are in the first eleven. Um, and, and just just by virtue of when they were signed and when their contracts were agreed and how important it was at the time for us to get them in. So it is it is difficult. It's a difficult job, I think, to keep everyone happy on on, on that side of things. So. I suppose, really, is in terms of a debate, I very much doubt it's um, it's this kind of uh, rift that's dragging the, the team down and affecting team spirit and all that kind of stuff. But I don't doubt that that you know I don't think people rubbishing it as completely as a story are kind of ignoring the kind of the things that do effectively do motivate you as a, as a footballer, as as anyone is motivated in their job. You know, if you if you're working incredibly hard and someone is being paid more than you for. for for not working anywhere near as hard as you, you do you do feel a degree of animosity, and that's probably amplified if you if you speak to any professional footballers, they'll probably tell you the same. It's you know that's kind of almost what it's about for them. Not not saying that they don't play it for the love of the game and they don't want to do well for the club, they do. But as individuals, that's kind of that's kind of a big motivation. I think. Any more to add, lads? Yeah, I'd just like to point out that. I think Chris is paid way more than any of us here on Hull Radio. So I agree. If anybody wants to start an uprising, you know, slag him off a little bit on Twitter or whatever, then, you know, I'm, I'm in. They're the rift already, definitely. Or we could yeah. set up a Just Giving page. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that could work. I've said this before, but do you know the only person who's ever been paid to do something for Homestar Radio? Who's oh. that? Not Russ. 
What did he get paid to do? What? We, um... It, effectively, he was paid. Effectively, paid by me to do something. I, I bought him a ticket to something where we did something. Oh, did okay. That's the only person I know, I know of who's ever. So who's it's ever, bribing more, more bribe more than paying him, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's about oh, I know. Was it? I'm, did you pay him to go away? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, are, are we, um, Mark? That was Albert. I'm just trying to think where I want to go with uh, tickets. I ain't got any tickets. <laughs> Semi-final tickets. I haven't got one or two. Yeah. No. Do you you haven't one? got one or two. I need two. If anyone, uh, if anyone, watch me. I need two. Sorry. Uh, I we all needed two. Yeah. Good point. I need. I need the boy, don't I? I've got to take the boy. Otherwise, I. Anyway. Well, there you go. If anyone's got any spares, you know where to. You know, head turn them. Face value, though. <laughs> None of, that, none, none of that adding loads and loads of cash to it. <laughs> Come on, Joe, what? you're earning. You're earning. I'm not. I'm um, at the moment, she's had three weeks off. Apparently, we've done 17 minutes of the outro as well. I, I Solid kind of, goal, I, baby. Oh, it was. I intended to do like a 10-second intro, and that went on. And, then, and now look at us. It'd be a good podcast this week, though. It's lots of... Well, I say good. It's good, good value. Nothing... <laughs> Something for nothing. Basically. Something for nothing is. Do you know what? That should be the new tagline for the show. Whole Get all the mugs. Get Something all the for mugs. nothing. Didn't didn't the one that Gusset did that we did when we first did these that went on for about forty five minutes, didn't it? The extra longer than the show. I think they were going. Mikey, Mikey and Chris are going to go fucking mad about the money. About how much it, this has cost. It it got cut down. Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see. <laughs> they, they managed to cut it down to only three hundred and twelve shit puns. <laughs> oh, we didn't. Have we mentioned Gusset? We haven't, have we? Son in his ass in Fertiventura. He is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On holiday. And I, I'm. You know, obviously, it's a shame not to have him on the show. But at the same time, it'll be, uh, kill- be killing him out there with his one-liners. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he, I, I, I don't know. Like Ventura. We love, <laughs> we love you, Nick. DJ Gusset. I do genuinely have to. I, I don't think. I think. I think he thinks I'm joking when I keep saying, "Can you stop being so self-referential?" And can you stop making jokes about stuff we've talked about off air because it doesn't mean anything to. Li- and just kind of think, what if you're a new listener to the show? No one's going to know what the hell you're talking about, Nick. Can you? I keep telling him this stuff. And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I think some of the regulars probably don't know what he's talking about. That's just, uh, <laughs> Half the time, I need 20 minutes or so, yeah. Are we cutting this bit out? Yeah, no. <laughs> it's sustaining. Oh my it's sustaining. He'll, he'll be suicidal if he hears this part. Just nobody mention it. Let him bring it up. And we'll yeah. then, then we'll, I don't think he listens if he's not. Oh, he doesn't listen exactly. He's not going to hear well, it. Well, there you go. It's the perfect Leave crime. It. Leave it in. I think you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end it there. <laughs> Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. 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 Homesdale Radio, Football Blogging Award Finalist 2015. www.holradio.net. Yeah. That's good fun. That's a good what? show this week. A really that good show. Decent, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he'll definitely not listen to the last part, so don't worry. Leave it in, Mikey. He'll never listen. From... He will. Where is he? He will. Where is he? First of Insurer. Oh, wow. Nice. We could beg Mikey to take that out, and he wouldn't. So <laughs> yeah, good point. Let's, let's double bluff him, Mikey. Uh, leave it in. <laughs> double I have I have completely given up asking him to take stuff out because if I say it, he immediately includes it. <laughs> it's the ninetieth minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. 
perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.